episode of the key items podcast your local southern fried podcast here we deliver you the worst quality in video game conversation with the worst insight and lowest of intellect (laughs) why you're even listening right now baffles my mind and everyone else (laughs) um but no Welcome to another episode of the Key Adams Podcast. Like I was saying, jokingly, we are the Nerd Podcast, and welcome back for another episode. So, in today's episode, as usual, I'm not going to tell you what it is until we get to it, but <laughs> let's go with some introductions. To my right, wearing his blue Speedo over his blue outfit and wearing his blue Ugg boots. He goes into other robots' homes, beats them up, and drains them dry. <laughs> it's Dustin. No Mega Man was a vampire, but in a way, kind of is. Don't reveal the one of you. <laughs> hey, well, they don't know what it's about. <laughs> um, to my left, jumping into random planets. Stealing people's children, upgrading her forearm, and then beating a helpless prehistoric animal who is trying to earn money. It's Arnold. Hey, everyone. <laughs> I was trying to see where you're going with that. Oh my god, it's Samus. I, I, fuck it, I know that. Oh. Where's this prehistoric animal that she's... Well, you know, Kratos is probably trying to collect his disability check. I mean, he didn't get around very well. Also, R- Ridley... Um, is, is Ripley or R- Ridley? Ripley. Uh, Ripley. R- Ripley. Okay, yeah. So, Ripley, you know... Ridley. Ridley, Ridley sorry. I didn't... You guys, you guys both said it sorry. at the same time. I can hear. Oh, it's okay. Ridley, um, you know, prehistoric animal... Nope. Nah, he got vibe checked and he fucking failed it. That's he's he's just <laughs> I don't even know what Damn the it. fuck that means. <laughs> like you young people and your young people. He got it. vibe checked. Yep. That doesn't even make sense, but sure. <laughs> it's okay. It's a, um, it's a new generation thing, James. Okay, hold on. I'll, I'll introduce my cane. Tell me what a vibe. Hold on, hold on. Is. Let me introduce myself. <laughs> okay, go ahead, James. In me, standing at one foot four, Dustin just said my name and introduced me. <laughs> um, standing, um, standing at one foot four, <laughs> having no legs but feet, no hands but arms, and I will suck you dry. <laughs> it's me, James. In case you didn't figure that out, when I accidentally said his name before he introduced himself. Yes. Um, for those of you who didn't know, that was a Kirby reference. Yeah. Um, it's also but, pink. Um, honestly, 
Um, between Mega Man and Kirby, they are both my number ones, but I figured I'd use Mega Man for Dustin, since that seems to be more of his number one, and I have Kirby. So, anyway, <laughs> back to what Dustin was saying, Arnold, explain to the old people listening what the fuck a vibe check means. Ah, uh, man, you know, you might be too old to understand. Explain it, boy. <laughs> the literal definition mm-hmm. is when someone just checks your vibe out of nowhere. What? What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> because a vibe, to me, in my definition of what a vibe is, it is the ambiance and attitude culminated from this collective consciousness of the individual humans and our atmosphere around them. So, I don't thusly, think anyone thinks like that. No, that's no, no. Oh, no, it's, no that's, that's, that's not. That's, not, that's what an actual definition, definition of, of a, a goddamn vibe is, a young child. You see, in my day, we had a thing called a book that we opened and read and, and oh, gained like, information. I don't read book. Yes. <laughs> Back in our day, I don't, I don't know what books are either. You but, know, but. No, no, hold on, smartass. <laughs> Explain to me then what a like a in the context of the word vibe for what I just explained. So it's just the, like a check-in, but an aggressive check-in. So it's someone harassing you. Mm, nah. So okay, okay. Let me give you an example. You this seem is my skeptical, Arnold. This it seems yeah, like it could be, exactly. but it might not be. It is aggressive. Depending on it's the person. Out of, it's spontaneous. It sounds like someone is trying to make something that's aggressive and harmful sound cute. Uh, <laughs> um, so okay, let me let me give an example from my understanding of what it is, and you correct me if I'm wrong. A vibe check, Arnold. You're sitting down on the couch. You're playing video games, and you're enjoying yourself. So I come over and say, "Hey, fuck with." Are you happy today? And I like smack your game. <laughs> is that a vibe check? <laughs> or is that too aggressive? <laughs> sure, we'll go with that. That's not an answer. <laughs> Something tells me, Dustin, that these children don't know what it actually means. And they just have culminatedly so, started you know using it. It's like all memes. And some people think they know what it means and they keep using it whether they actually know what it means or not that is how most things actually that's work that's how most things are yeah that's how yeah. most things and work in the collective to conscious. be fair this is something this is some teacher experience here it's funny how words are that way too sometimes oh, like yeah. I, I explained to students one day that when people say they're going to like talk more about something that that's actually to expound with an o instead of an a on a topic Mm-hmm. And they're like, what? It's not, that's a word? It's like, they always said expand, but it's expound. And they're like, so, so like amazed that that was a different word. But it makes sense because when you think of making something more, you think of expanding it. And mm-hmm. so the colloquial use of the word yeah. changes. Yeah. So you have stuff like that where people attach things to certain stuff. Or, or butt naked instead of buck naked. Yeah. Like no one says buck naked. Like, you know, it's butt naked. Like, and it's, it is, it is why I always find it really funny on the hangups of words in certain, mm-hmm. in certain areas because right. the, the, the way the universe works, at least from our human language perspective, we, we just grab whatever word we want to at the time and throw it out. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's why grammar Nazis annoy me if you're a grammar Nazi out there. Um like slow your roll. If you've ever typed LOL before, don't be a grammar Nazi. Just help people out if you can. Um, 
Yeah. Semiotics is... are interesting. How we assign meaning to things. Mm-hmm. Right. But this is not the English 101 yeah, <laughs> class. Not this time. <laughs> Dustin's like, soon I will rain upon you the language of which I teach. Um, no, no, only if it's something I can tie into something. We'll type. We'll, what are those games? Game genres of typing. <laughs> typing games. Typing games. Yeah, we'll have a whole James, podcast about to, that. Did you have to play those back in the day, or not have to play them? But did you, I guess, do those for classes? So this is going to this is going to be a more sombering topic because <laughs> this the next class we didn't have. Yes, um, at my school we could not afford. Um, a few of my schools we couldn't afford. Um, computers for typing Which classes. Understandable. And so um, our teachers were great and everything, but we didn't have the, the finances for that. And so because of it, when I got to about middle school, high school, I remember a lot of people, um, because that was around middle school, I think, was the first time I went to a school that just had like computers to use. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and it was a selective class in, in high school that also happened. And so I remember distinctively people saying, oh, yeah, remember when you took this typing class? And I was like, no. And was like, no. I was like, what are you talking about? They're like, you put your ki- fingers right here on the keys. And I was like, can't I just put them where I want and then find where I need to go? And it is um, it is a it is an interesting skill that we we teach children <laughs> because it's an archaic skill that came from people who use typewriters um, mm-hmm. and because they needed to know how to be able to find the buttons real fast because that's all they, they could do at that time. And But yeah, to kind of go back to that, like I knew the programs. Um, never used one as a kid. Mm-hmm. I, I did, however, go to the library a lot and mm-hmm. played a lot of Math Blaster. And, yeah. Um, yeah. In, in, in to, kids. Uh, to, to clarify here, so people don't think I went to some really bougie school, um, we 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 had like one computer classroom when I was in middle school for typing, like a typing class, yeah. and like it was like an elective, and so yeah, like yeah, yeah. other classrooms had like one computer, but it was sort of a you know sort of a not really a thing. People not like nowadays where like every single classroom I teach in has has computers for every student. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think honestly for me and in my teaching experiences, I rarely use computers, but I do more non-traditional teaching as opposed to Dustin's, who is much more of a traditional type of teaching. Um, but yeah, like didn't have those. Um, but Dustin's not the first person I know who's used those typing classes. Um, I'm not trying to target Dustin out here, but a, a lot of people have used it, um, before. But yes, early early gamification. Now people are like, "Oh, we need to gamify learning." It's like y'all been doing that for like years. We had Math Blaster, yeah. and typing games. I don't know what's new about this, right? Everyone's like gamifying, and like I, I've I've used D and D through both my therapeutic work and educational work, and people are like, "Oh, like you know, there's this this group of people that is trying to use it for like mental health and stuff." I'm like, "Y'all, it ain't new." Like, they just cashing in on it. That's the only difference between me and whatever, like, 30 or 40-year-old that's done it before and these dudes that have a business. That's it. They're just telling y'all it's new because you're old and you don't even know what a Pikachu is. Like, that's that's <laughs> what that is. But, um, but is anyway. That, is that that Pokemon? That that Pokemons. 
that pokey man. Um, What's that but, round dog? Is that a Pikachu? <laughs> um, but what's with that blue Pikachu? The blue <laughs> <laughs> Mary. Um, but that's not the subject for today. <laughs> um, yeah, but anyway, I I would like to do our usual check-ins because I would like to bring to attention people who are listening today on the podcast that we are next episode going to finally do the top tier or at least part one of our top tier villains and i said that last time but i'm i'm saying this again so everyone knows the rules going forward it's gonna be ugly i i assume that we're all gonna have our own favorites and I do not want anyone to back down from a favorite. I'm adding in, I'm telling you guys right now, I'm adding in the villain from Voltron. Um, I huh. just finished Voltron, and I am adding in the villain from Voltron. Because that speaks to the quality of this villain. Oh, once we get into my news, I'm about to talk about some Voltron. <laughs> but yes, the villain from Voltron I'm going to be using as um, one of the top ones, and I will fight tooth and nail for this person. Um, among other people, I'm going to fight tooth and nail for. Um, for those of you who aren't sure what a top villain registers as, um, we're, we're going for the big names. We're going for Frieza. We're going for Dio. We're going for Griffith. Um, we are going for Lelouch. We're going for Light. Like... We are talking villains that are on a scale of holy shit and what the fuck. Um, we, um, I, I actually had a friend because I was talking with her the other day and she asked me if a good one would be um, e- Eloi, um, who is Kilua's brother in Hunter Hunter. Um, and don't get me wrong, he is a great villain. Um, particularly on a psychological level, not so much a physical strength level, but he does not qualify because he is around the Hisoka level of villain. Um, mm. He is devastating to like a one mid-tier. or two. Yeah, he's a mid tier. He's definitely devastating to one or two people in a big way, but not enough to like, because he's in the same story with Merwin, who is going to be on this list, um, who is the he's the Frieza out of the cell of Hunter Hunter. Um and by far the strongest thing in Hunter Hunter. Um spoiler alert. Um <laughs> but so, yes as a heads up since these are big villains there's gonna be big spoilers oh probably. big spoilers intense spoilers ugly ugly spoilers I'm because, not holding back spoiler most of the big villains or the last villains and things. They're either the last villains or they're the ones that you're like, huh? Like, you know. At the very um, least, they're like arc villains. We're like, that's the end of an arc. Yeah. The only real spoilers are, the only real non-spoilers are what? Frieza, Dio. Like, people who, like, are, like, start off as the villain. Like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're like, oh, this guy's the villain, definitely. Versus, like. Maybe we shouldn't get into that. We'll save yeah, that for later. I won't get into it. Um, but Some I will of these say, villains where you're like, hey, this guy's pretty cool and way. Yeah. I will say this. There are, there are, are There's one villain I'm adding onto the list 
Um, as you clearly can see, people, I am using anime-esque American cartoons because Voltron. So that also means Avatar The Last Airbender goes into this category. Um, Fire Lord will not be on that list. Azula will be on it. Um, I thought about it and talked about it with my girlfriend who is really into Avatar The Last Airbender. Azula is far more a big villain than the Fire Lord on a dramatic, a storytelling scale in an effect of other people's lives scale. Yes, the Fire Lord did enact like his empirical reign to destroy things. However, this was done through a chain of Fire Lords. And as a culture, that's what the Fire Kingdom did. As opposed to Azula, who personally took pleasure in reward from the manipulation of people in countries. It, just a whole big thing. So Azula is going in instead of the Fire Lord. So catching that ahead of time, people. Azula is a bigger villain in my personal opinion. So anyway, got it out of the way. Let's get into our next issue. And I'm going to start off. Um, actually, no. Me and Dustin have been talking. Arnold, you start off, and then I'll go into mine. Uh, fuck. I don't have. They don't have a lot of this. Oh, that's fine. Nothing in the garbage bin about Bethesda. Yeah, nothing in the garbage bin. Man, I don't feel like reaching in that bitch. <laughs> I'll talk about that Sometimes you just get worn out digging through the crap. Digging through the trash. Let's talk about something super sad. I'm gonna need everyone to get their F buttons ready to pay respect. Uh, Rick May, voice of the soldier in Team Fortress 2, has unfortunately died from COVID 19. That's mm-hmm. upset. I heard that. I don't know. Yeah, that. He's, he was 79, I think, 78, something like that. He mm. was in a uh, nursing home, isn't that right? Or an assisted living facility? Uh, I, I think so. I'm not sure. Yeah, How so. did he get it if he was like. Surrounded by people who should be knowing better. Yeah, well, he was in the. I think he was in the. Um, from what I've heard, he was um, recovering from a stroke. So I think he was in a hospital environment, and he might have contracted it after he was recovering from it. Yeah, strokes will do that. Um, Yeah, yeah, that was that was sad news this week. Yeah, that is sad. Ugh. Yep. That's upsetting. What else you got? Got to bring that up. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow are the live streams for the CRDQ. Corona Relief Done Quick. Oh, okay. I was like, boy, what you talking about? It's GDQ, but yeah, this yeah, is yeah, the yeah. Corona Relief. <laughs> Everybody edition. streams from home and practices social distancing and raises yeah. money from coronavirus. So if you guys want to start watching it, it started It started uh, yesterday, I believe. You know, I funny and enough... Oh, sorry. It'll on. be... Through Sunday, for now. Yeah, that sounds about right. You know, funny enough, I don't watch it live. You go back and watch it later? I go back and watch it later when they throw it on their YouTube channel. Um, I, I, one, I don't have the money to donate, but also I like being able to just have it sitting around. Right, you could 
stop it and start it and not have to worry about like get up to go and get a drink and like miss something important yeah because some of some of the best and funniest runs happen at like three o'clock in the morning so it's (laughs) like you get like so they have like the awful block where they play horrible games and that's where you get a lot of the funny people who talk because the games are not fun yeah, um, so they had to get the people who can be really funny because yeah. those games are bad. And then sometimes you get the morning. Um, the morning's really slow. And then about mid-afternoon, usually when other people are doing stuff in their actual real lives, like that's when some of the more popular games are being done. Um, but I find it now um, that some games aren't as interesting commentary-wise. Like Sekiro is just not fun to hear people talk about. It's, it's interesting to watch speedrun, but it's not like, ooh, this person's funny. Um, Pokemon's always funny. Um, always funny. But yeah, check it out. Like I said. I love yeah, it. check it out. You can donate uh, either from the Twitch, uh, Twitch channel when they're live streaming, or you can go to gamesdonequick.com. 100% of the proceeds go to Direct Relief, which is a humanitarian aid organization that's helping out with uh, COVID-19 right now. And if you put it in funny quotes, they'll sometimes read it off. I don't know how they're doing it this time because they usually read it off live with the person sitting there saying it. But um, yeah, I don't know how to do it. But yeah, check it out. Speedruns are good. Um, I know a lot of people who shit on speedruns. And what the fuck shitting on speedruns? I know a couple of people who do. And And don't get me wrong. I understand where they're coming from, but I think it's a practice of eliminating that I, that thought process of that people are wrecking the game and ruining the game as opposed to these are people who are deeply in love with the game and um, they have already played it the casual way and now they're doing this in this kind of almost goofy way to like speed run it. Um, and if you play games like I have over time, speed running also allows you to just see something silly in a game that you may take seriously, you know? Um, but yeah, I know, I know people who don't like speed running, but I don't, I don't think it's bad that they don't like speed running. Um, I just think it, it requires a person to change their viewpoint a little bit more. Um, and it's mostly young people. And I can't say that when I was younger that I didn't think speed running was a little silly too. Um, so yeah, you learn, you grow, you experience stuff. But yeah, what else you got on? Uh, that's it, really. Okay, Arnold Short. Not a lot of news today. I, I mean, I just news. I don't feel like reaching my hand in a dumpster. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> I'll I'll reach for it. Okay, I have news. Um, Jason Schreier of Kotaku dot com mm-hmm. is leaving. Jason Schreier is a very well known um, journalist and investigative reporter for video games. In the video gaming community, um, pretty intelligent guy. I don't agree with all his gaming decisions, but I respect him. Um, <laughs> um, but he is known for really looking into the practices and the um, the negative impacts that companies have had on workers and stuff in video games. And he's very knowledgeable of the industry on a business level. Um, pretty chill guy for most of the reports I've read of his. He had been at Kotaku for maybe five years, maybe longer. I'm not sure. Um, And he is now currently leaving Kotaku. Um, This is not new um, for people who work at Kotaku. And um, 
lately a lot of people have been leaving. Two um, minority individuals who worked at Kotaku left earlier in January. I can't remember their names. It was a woman and a man. Um, and they were pretty chill. And they have left Kotaku. And they left kind of for the same reasons Jason Trier did. Is because they have, they're have they underneath a parent company um, that has been mismanaging and being really dismissive and negative towards their workers. Um, sometimes labeling people to just stick to doing sports games and stuff like that. And they have had enough, I guess. So a lot of people have been deciding to leave Kotaku because of that. I think so far there's been four people who have left. Um, I think they've left for good reasons. Um, and it's going to be weird because that they helped build Kotaku to being what it is. Um, the only person there worth of note, to my knowledge still, is Tim Rogers, um, one of my personal favorite um, internet personalities. Um, I don't know if he's going to stay around. Not sure. Tim's always been a, a stick-it-to-the-man type guy. Um, so, not sure how that's going to go. But yeah, Tim that's... also seems to be like old and cynical enough to be like, whatever, I'm out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> same thing with Jason. And like, they... Yeah, a lot of people have left. Um, and they've talked about how the management is makes them uncomfortable. It... Um, project certain ideas on people, all that junk. I'm sure there's sexism and racism in there. Um, and they have their articles. They all wrote articles about it before leaving, and you can find them on Kotaku's website. Um, so definitely check it out. I, I'm i sure they'll be fine. I know Jason will be fine. Um, anybody that picks him up is going to do great. Like, he's the bee's name. People from Jim Sterling to video game developers, everyone, they know this man. Like, this guy is, like, in the gaming community, he's a pretty smart guy. Um, but, yeah, he's gone. So, I wish him the best of luck, and I hope Kotaku fails if their management is that horrible. Um, <laughs> other news, Fantasy Star Online 2 has gotten a pretty much solid date of being released on PC in the U.S. Um, it should be late May. Um, that's great for me because I'm looking forward to it. And it will be cross-play with the Xbox One version on day one. Meaning you can play with friends who have already played the game on their Xbox Ones. If you have friends that have Xbox Ones. Um, the only person I know that has the Xbox One is my little brother. So, um, but then again, I don't plan on playing this game with people. Um, if people are playing it, I'm going to be happy about it, but I'm used to solo gaming. Um, not in, not but saying if people don't want to play it. Because you said that, your brother is not going to say, hey, James, you going to play Fantasy Star? <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I would love to play with people, but I'm going in with low expectations. Um, but it will be free, so that's what I'm looking forward to. And eventually, it's supposed to be on all platforms, so Switch, yada, 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 stuff like that. Um, so yeah, Fantasy Star Online, check it out, seems cool, I'm into it. Um, but yeah, that's coming in late May, from what I understand. There are some Switch Pro rumors. 
um, floating about. Um, the biggest one that I'm not sure how that works and why is that it will be dual screen. Um, don't know oh, yeah. how that's going to work. Um, Maybe we'll put a screen on the front and a screen on the back, and then it'll be really awkward now. Right. It'll be weird. I'm not sure what that point is, Nintendo. Um, don't do that. Um, because... It'll unfold. You, yeah. <laughs> the 3DS. Oh, my God. <laughs> no. Um, just a bigger 3DS. Yeah, it's, just, yeah, it's a bigger <laughs> 3DS is what that sounds like. Um, I hope that's not it. I hope that's not the only thing. Um, I don't see how that would be helpful to gaming. I think they thought. I think they're trying to make sure that we do have iguana eyes, so we can check both screens. <laughs> no, I I hope it's a better resolution screen. I hope if it's the pro that it's literally a um, hardware upgrade, as opposed to like a hardware like reconstruction. Um, but who knows? These are all rumors. No one really knows. It's Nintendo. Yeah, it's one of these things where they farmed a patent request or something. I don't know. Yeah. So we're not sure what's happening. Um, but we'll see. Um, finally, um, slightly in the topic of today's top, um, in the line of today's topic, um, the rumors have been circulating for a strong amount of time that Resident Evil 4 is getting a remake. I... I'm not excited about this. Um, it's a rumor, so it could be wrong. But knowing Capcom and how it's been proceeding, if they don't do Code Veronica remake, which a lot of people are hoping they do for Resident Evil, then it's so old and it really could benefit from one. Yeah, people are saying that, and I would I would like that first because Resident Evil Four, for some reason, maybe because it's been on every council generation this far. Um, it it's been on every single console generation since it came out on the GameCube. Um, it was even on the Wii with Wii controls. Exactly. So it's kind of like I don't think we need that game because we've had that game, and the other remakes have taken things from that game and put them in their remake, and thus you know now it's just a graphical overhaul. That's really what it'll be. It won't be a remake. It'd be like a remaster, honestly. Um, I'm going to remake the remake, so everything is just the same. It's just the same. It's different. Yeah, it just looks prettier. And I, I know. I know people eat with their eyes, um, particularly in the gaming world. People eat with their eyes. If it looks pretty, it's good. Um, um, that's, that's not something you should take at all, particularly in life. Um, but like um most people look at something and they go if it's pretty it's good and so um it's just for me there just seems this this influx of like remakes um and i don't know if it's good or bad in the long run i don't know if it subtracts from the original work you know um but we'll see we'll see how it goes i I don't know. Every time I look at a remake now, I'm like, what's your drive here? What's your point here? Um, I thought I would be more impressed with, um, this is a small tangent, with Seven's um, combat animation. Mm-hmm. And I heard a lot of people say it's like Kingdom Hearts. But I was like, yeah, it'll look a little different. It looks like Kingdom Hearts. Like, I looked at how Cloud swung his weapon and how the Buster Sword slung back. It's the same animation format. 
that um, Sora does when he's using the Keyblade. Which, you know, people like that still. You know, it's fine. But I don't like that. I don't like Kingdom Hearts combat anymore. Um, but a lot of people do. So we'll see. It's a weird combat engine. Yeah, it's a really strange system. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. We'll see how it works. I mean, I don't, I don't, it I don't get combat that game. You don't, don't get combat in Kingdom Hearts or what? And the new Final Fantasy. It's it's just action. It's action combat. And you have different... So in Kingdom Hearts, you've always had forms, which basically gave you different abilities. Or at least in Kingdom Hearts 2 and then 4, they all did it. Um, and in this particular Final Fantasy game, they've taken out the turn-based combat that's in your mm-hmm. traditional JRPG, and they've replaced it with more action-oriented combat, which isn't necessarily on its face negative, because I play Tales of games. However, Tales of games typically have a combo system, like a fighting game, where you're implementing different combinations to get certain things. In Final Fantasy... Oh, sorry, Justin. I said right. Yeah, and in Final Fantasy, it's more of an assigned role per person to do assigned sorts of damage. So Cloud has a defensive stance, and he has a more... um, aerial combat stance and he has a more of a direct stance which basically just translates to you go into different forms and do different moves um which it's fine like i don't i don't think it's bad but it is it's not my cup of tea when it comes to action rpgs um i like a more methodical approach but that's just my personal preference but people like it you know um So, yeah, we'll see how Resident Evil 4 goes because, much like 7, I don't think it needs a remake. I think it's fine. Um, I, I just don't see the point other than getting that good, good money, money. You know? <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that all a company needs? No, yeah, that's all they really, really need at the end of the day, but they are a video game company. So, I, I expect more... But I also expect nothing from them. So you would like to have, but you expect nothing. Yeah, I expect nothing. So we'll see. Um, but okay, that is all of my news. Dustin, what would you like to share? Um, so there was an announcement a while back about whether or not Uzumaki would be, which is that um, I remember Sarah and I discussed this back at DragonCon that they were making a. Uh, Adult Swim was co-producing mm-hmm. a Uzumaki adaptation by Junji Ito. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in production still. There was questions of whether it would get delayed by COVID, but right now they don't expect delays on it, I guess, because a lot of animation can be done from home to some degree. Because hmm. uh, it's all on a computer, as long as they get people set up with workspaces that way. But um, yeah, they're they're still planning on having it out in April at some point, I think. Okay. Okay. Maybe I, I kind of doubt that it'll probably be more like. I May think it'll be like May, but yeah, May or June. But that is still good to know that they're moving forward with that. Um, to um, let everyone know, Dustin will be your main source of information for that anime because I'm not getting my shit scared <laughs> out my body because I've already read the manga. I'm not watching it animated. <laughs> Fuck that. Oh, <laughs> it's very good actually. Don't don't take me saying it as bad. I'm just horrified. It's Did just you? real. Unsettling. Yeah, it's really um, yeah. Um, let's see. Other news that I wanted to mention. You mentioned the Switch thing, which that was one thing I wanted to make. Uh, if you did, if you hadn't mentioned it, that was one thing I was going to make sure we brought up because um, I'd seen that earlier this week too. Um, uh, oh, 
uh, fighting game news. There mm-hmm. is a lot of concern about cancellations of future fighting game events because, mm-hmm. um, because unlike certain other games, and I will say those of y'all that have played like League Online or even MMOs Online, you kind of know to some degree that lag is not fun for any game. Mm-hmm. But lag is a, and latency is especially detrimental for competitive fighting game play, Extremely. especially at high level play. Um, and that's why netcode is such a big deal for fighting games. Um, it's the difference so, between missing counter blocks and mm-hmm. winning a fight and getting trashed. Yeah. And it, and with something like League, yes, you may the lag may cause you to die, and it may be really unfortunate and really unpleasant. But with a fighting game. That 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 miss may cost you the entire match, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah. So there's concerns about that. Um, it's really hard to come up with a good solution there because you can't really social distancing because any sort of uh, any sort of latency is is usually a problem. Yeah. Um, and there's a whole like question about that and why fighting games, why Japanese fighters have issues with that because. Japan is a much smaller country, and their internet is much better by and large. Mm-hmm. And so, a lot of times, netcode is kind of designed for that, without the concern that if you're playing somebody in California from like Georgia, it can lag a lot in a fighting game. <laughs> Japanese um, online games in general typically don't counter and take take into account the issues that more European Westernized. Um, societies um, have to deal with because of the size and scope um, and distance. Especially us, because our country is it's huge. very spread out. Extremely yeah. spread out. I guess the same thing happens to Russia, but Russia has other problems. So. Yeah, Russia got a lot of problems. <laughs> but anyway. But yeah, um, that's my mostly about all I have for news. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm going to save the other weird piece of news to uh, what the, the next section. So. Okay. Next section, our patch notes. the patch notes today boy howdy i have a lot to share i'm gonna share it now uh <laughs> i want to get out of the way that i've still been playing final fantasy 12 love the game falling in love with the game all over again um i love the over dramatized theatrical like um cutscenes. the like, it's just such a well-done Shakespearean-style game. It's like adult Final Fantasy IX. And so, like, don't get me wrong, there's adult themes in Final Fantasy IX as well, or mature themes in Final Fantasy IX. Um, but Final Fantasy XII is so much like... It's like Star Wars done right. Like, it's just <laughs> the, the themes and everything are just well-done... Vaughn is the teenager, and he is just he annoys everyone in the party. But it's not like anime comedy where it's like, oh my god, this annoying teenager. People scoff at him. People ignore him. Ash, the main character, she basically tells him to literally shut up. She like, there's a point where she's like, do not speak while I am talking, and he's like, huh? (laughs) And like, (laughs) it is 
it is so good to see a young person be put in their place uh, <laughs> in a video. Man, oh man. Like, it, and it just is because I've been a teenager. All right, old man. No, well, no, <laughs> hear me out. I've been an annoying teenager. I've been an annoying <laughs> young adult. Don't sit here, Arnold, and defend your people saying, like, <laughs> y'all are not annoying as shit. Like, anyone that's not, anyone 25 and below says something annoying every 10 minutes. And it's okay. I did it too. Like, you know. Um, and But the thing is, is that society, up and large, at least in, in, in nerd media, applauds that. They say, stick it to the old person. Be rambunctious. Change minds. No one just says, shut the hell up sometimes. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, and I like that they do that. But don't get me wrong. They don't fully discourage Vaughn either. They do nurture him. He matures with them. His counter, and this also is something that speaks to how true our society is. His friend, who I think um, Penella, who's a little bit younger than him, is less annoying and much more mature because well, she's a lady. And again, statistics have shown that men are immature assholes. Um, again, I have been one. So, like, I, I, I enjoy that dynamic. I enjoy all the characters. Um, I enjoy the dark-skinned Irish bunny women. That's what, that's what they are. Are they Irish or Welsh? That's something I was oh, wondering. I didn't actually could, look it up. You know what? Because I don't know accents that well, as far as Europe is concerned. They could mm -hmm. be Welsh. Yeah, I'm going to figure this out for next episode. Could be Welsh. Um, since um, I always thought that one of them was Irish, but I could also be wrong. Could I never be. looked it up. It no, also it. could be that they just kind of rolled those things together, because that happens sometimes, too. Mm. I always caught them as Irish because they're connected to the wood or the forest, mm -hmm. and they are separate from the the Empire Nations. So, um, but from, it, from in other words, the English from the English. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, so that's always cool. Great story. I highly recommend if you've never played Final Fantasy twelve to pick it up on sale if you want to. It's a great game. Um, that's all my gaming news for my patch notes. I got so much animation news though. So I'm going to get into one that I'm iffy about, that I'm not sure, and I'm going to end up on Voltron because I'm going to sing its praises um, to high heaven. I am starting back again watching Shira, the DreamWorks animation that's on Netflix. Not the original 1980s. Not the original 1980s Shira. I don't care for that. Um, I know it gets a lot of high praises, particularly from the LGBT and um, female nerd community for um, a lot of the great concepts that are in it. And so I've always wanted to get into it, to enjoy it, to kind of explore what that is. And I watched the first episode when it first came out. Um, and I got bored around 15 minutes. Um, and then I stopped. I am now re-watching it again to give it a second try. It is still a slow grind. But because I finished DreamWorks Voltron, which also started off a little slow, I'm hoping this goes stronger. You know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. And so far, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with the show. I think it's sweet. I think it's good. I think it's a great story so far. Um, if anything, I don't like it's the artwork. 
It's really soft. Everyone looks smooth. It's very, very Steven Universe. Like, it looks crazy Steven Universe. So there's not a lot of details in things. There's a lot of more, like, flat art, grander art design kind of stuff going on, which I don't think is bad at all. But for my taste, I like detail. And um, I'm just going to have to muscle past that because the characters seem pretty good, um, if not a little bit too intense. Like, they're like My Little Pony talkative at points. Which works when you're watching gumball ponies um, do things. But when I'm looking at people who are... Like, for instance, there's the Glimmer, who's supposed to be a military general. And I get that she's a teenager, but she behaves like a teenager, not a military general. Um, Which kind of downplays the effectiveness of me rooting for the good guys. Because they suck at their job. (laughs) like you know i'm like well of course you're losing because you behave like a child um so i'm i'm hoping to get a lot from it i've heard great things um dreamworks seems to do better at making television shows than they do at movies so i'm looking forward to that um so yeah that's shira i have finished the best Yes, the best, our second best love story in anime of all time. I have finished oh, the second bold season. words. Yes, come at me, everybody. I finished High Score Girl. This is on Netflix. <laughs> High Score Girl is a must-watch if you claim to like anime or if you claim to like good, authentic characters. Do not claim this in front of me as a person. <laughs> And if you have not tried at least one episode of High Score Girl from here on out, I'm making bold statements. I am hyperbolizing a little bit. You are free to like what you like. But High Score Girl is a great, great series. Um, it is about um, a boy. It's, it's based in the early 1990s. And it's about a boy who loves to go to the arcade and play arcade fighters. And... It explores not only that dynamic, it explores mm-hmm. his love for video games and the evolution of video game fighters and the the competitiveness of video game fighters in the arcade setting. But the other part, the titular high score girl, is about a girl named Ono, who um, Akira Ono, who is a mute video game player. She goes to the arcade, she comes from a high-class family, And it's about them becoming rivals, but then also falling in love. And it's nowhere near as simple as that sentence is. It's not just, oh, boy meets girl stuff happens. It's There are love triangles. There are love squares. There is the fact of having a a long-distance relationship. There is him having to go through points in his life where he can't play video games as much because he has to help support his family. Um, It it gets to different dynamics. It shows every character is strong in their own way. The thing that I've heard people say the most is they don't like the animation style. And I do understand that. It's done in a strange 3D dynamic where... They, they look almost like um, 
claymation on the screen. But once you've gotten through that first episode, once you've gotten through that first experience, the story is so strong. And the animation honestly is good. It's not yeah, bad. The first season and it's not bad. It's not bad at all. Um, the story gets really good. Um, the first season was already phenomenal. Um, and then they made the second season, which happens. So the first season is when he's in middle school and then it goes into when he's in high school. And it gets even better. Like the love story gets better. Um, I can't say much without spoiling it, but it's it even even the girl, the the there's another girl. This isn't a spoiler because she's in the God dang theme song screen um opening theme song who's part of the love triangle her character is so good she is so she's not this character that you're like man i hate this girl she's trying to get in between them it's not even that it is a good story about lost love finding love different love it's so good please watch high score girl Please, because I've been checking everything on Netflix and things are getting popular because people are running out of anime that I've been telling people to watch for years. Wack Fu is at the popular area of Netflix now. Wack Fu. Wack Fu. I've been watching Wack Fu for years and I, I tell people, you know, you should really watch this French animation. Everyone's like, I ain't watching that shit. And it's like, now what? You're bored? Just watching Wack Fu now? Um, but please. Watch High School Girl. It is, it is phenomenal. It is, it is almost tear jerk worthy. Like, it's good. It's good. It's good. Just watch. That it. is your review. That is my review. High score. My non biased <laughs> review. <laughs> my completely biased review. Um, yes, that's my review of High School Girls. And you would think that would be the best thing I watched, but. It, it technically is, but it's it's different areas. I finished Voltron, Defenders of the Universe, a DreamWorks production. Once again, modern Voltron. Modern Voltron, 2018 Voltron, <laughs> not 80s Voltron. So there's like three of them. Yeah, there's, there's, there's like, like three. One in between. Yeah, there's one in between that. Um, so here's the thing with Voltron. Never was a big fan of Voltron. Never loved Voltron too much. I love the I love the cats. I love the robots. Um, never it, gave it a, doesn't like giant robots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the I like the giant I love the giant cats. Um never cared for the characters much. Um but you know it was what it was. I never really made fun of it. And then the 2018 one came out and I actually watched it around the time it came out. And I remember there was a lot of buzz and some nerd circles about it. Um I watched the first couple of episodes and was mildly entertained. I thought it was pretty good. Um and I, I like the animation because the animation is very Avatar The Last Airbender. I think a lot of people who worked on Avatar The Last Airbender are, are work on Voltron. Just from the storytelling to the characters to the character development, I feel that's a lot of that in there. Um, Voltron, and then I watched it a few more times. I think it got to like season two. And then I stopped, um, or I finished season two. Whatever they had this really badass fight in space. I won't spoil for what happens. Um, and then I stopped. I think they had like one season left. And then months passed and I just never came back to it. And then later on, I like popped it up again. I was like, oh, I need to finish Voltron. I'll finish third season and be done. And it was like, this season, this show has eight seasons. And I said, excuse me? <laughs> um, 
And Voltron Defenders of the Universe is one of the best written American animations that I've seen. Um, it's up there with Avatar The Last Airbender without fail. Without fail. It is a contender for Avatar The Last Airbender levels. Um, it is... if Yes, if you like 80s synth and um, 80s music stylings for space, they have it in spades. And I know... Because my girlfriend likes that kind of music, and that's one of the things she loves about it. When I had it on, she was like, man, the soundtrack's really good. The soundtrack is delicious. The soundtrack is great. Um, the combat scenes are magnificent. Um, when, like, the paladins themselves are fighting. And Voltron annoyed me for the first few seasons because it's a giant robot, and giant robot battles are usually boring. But they even make those battles amazing. Um... Everything is really good in Voltron. All the characters are great. Um, one of the most badass people, and I won't spoil it, one of the most badass people in there is um, is gay. They're a, a gay male, and they don't hide it or anything like that. And I think that is fu-fucking-nominal. Um, because you can, we always have the like, oh, it's a gay girl, and this is America, so lesbianism can be hot. I said lesbianism, like, it's this weird thing. Being a lesbian <laughs> is, like, hot or something. But, like, you have a gay male character who is amazing. Um, easily one of my top characters. And it's, it's just good. I think the only part about it that I started to have issues with was later on, they started doing, um, Time shit. Everyone knows I hate time stuff. Um, and they also... Um, Pidge can be somewhat annoying with how smart they are. Um, because they, they just start saying words. You ever watching a sci-fi show or a cartoon and they start saying scientific words and you know they're just making stuff up? Um, techno babble. Techno babble, basically. There's even there's a scene where someone says, "Let me connect some more techno with the babble," mm-hmm. and I was just like, "At least they're kind of aware." I don't <laughs> like it. I don't like it. Being aware doesn't solve the problem. But um, but like yeah, there was that, and I also hated um the the tier two characters we're supposed to care for. So they introduced later on some fighters who are multicultural humans um who aren't as good as the paladins but are they're so we're supposed to care about them basically and i'm like i don't care about you um they did try to make one character be on the autism spectrum um her name is leaf's daughter um it is not spelled how it sounds i think it's german um and her character is clearly socially awkward, but apparently good at calculations. So she's supposed to be the savant version of autism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always, yeah, I, I always find that stereotype problematic, but her character is okay. But yes, Voltron, um, and my long windedness is amazing. I, I really, 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 really really want people to watch Voltron. Um, it's really it's really good. Like it's it's really it's really good guys. Like it's <laughs> like it's really good. Um it's like really good. 
<laughs> um, James. James. Is it really good? It's really good. Um, I was going to say that it, even, it, it has a great multicultural aspect. One of the characters is Japanese. Um, Allura's black, I'm calling it, even though she's an Altaian. Um, homegirl black. Um, Lance is Cuban. I didn't pick that up. I thought I could figure out where Lance came from, or at least his um, his family's cultural origins. But I was wrong there. Um, he's actually Cuban. Um, Hunk is Samoan, and oh. but he's easy actually. Once you meet his so family, he, so he's basically kind of like this is the Rock, except not the Rock. Yeah, he's not like the Rock at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes. He he's Samoan. Pidge is supposed to be Italian, but like Pidge is the nerd. That that's that's Pidge. Yeah, Pidge's 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 cultural thing is that she's the nerd. Um, <laughs> oh, spoiler there! Um, for those of you who've never watched it, they make Pidge seem that she's a boy um, for the first half, mm-hmm. even though the original Pidge is a boy. They do reference that much later in the series. Um, she even does his voice at one point, um, <laughs> which is kind of funny. But yes, um, please watch it. That's my that's my whole rant for my patch notes. <laughs> I had a lot to share, clearly, this week. Um, I've been watching another anime, but I won't get into that until later. And I've also started Still Ball Run for JoJo. But I won't. I'll get into that next week as well, because I'm at the preliminaries for both of these. So, who would like to go next on their patch notes? Arnold. I can go next since I don't really have much either. <laughs> I don't <laughs> have shit this podcast. That's okay. I think I uh, cover a lot. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. I have a lot. I've just been uh, about to be complete Breath of the Wild after so many years. Um, getting. I don't want to say the grind. <laughs> <laughs> for Neo too, because that's not what I'm doing. I'm just having fun with the game. <laughs> Why are you always Here's our philosophical question: Is if it's fun, is it truly grind? Ash, uh, you know what? No one will know. Well, I would say yes, but that's okay. Yeah. I don't. I don't think it's a bad thing. If you're loving the grind, you're loving the grind. That's why some people love the Disgaea series. Mm-hmm. Some people uh, get off on that grind. I've actually stopped playing Monster Hunter. A, a, not, I just got, I just need like a long ass break from that. But they're adding a new update to it. Nothing like super major, like a new DLC or anything. But they're adding uh, another Architempered monster. Um, and something else I forgot. And it's supposed to come out. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'll talk again. Okay. So I'll, I'll be probably hopping back into that game again. Okay. Yep. Yeah. It's something I keep intending to play again because I have Iceborne. I was waiting for the update to come in to fix the issues, but I think they are fixed now on the PC. Mm. Okay. That's about it, honestly. Okay. okay. <laughs> Except for Mario and Rabbit's Kingdom Battle. <laughs> How is that going, by the way? Honestly, it's it's just it's just like fun to play. I don't I didn't buy it for the super high strategy, but there is like some unique. Uh, mechanics in that game mm-hmm. um, and the skill tree for each character is 
I mean, some of them have like the same moves, like you know, the basic like, okay, you get to move an extra block or something. Yeah. But like, fucking Mario can like, you know, you can't jump in this game. Yeah, yeah. That's like one of the premises of that this seems game. Like... He's, he was told, uh, I forgot who made it, but he said Mario can't jump like he normally does in this game. Okay. So like, there's a team jump mechanic where you can jump off other teammates. Uh-huh. And Mario, you can have Mario fucking jump off a teammate, off an enemy to gain more fucking ground. You would can you say cover more ground? Would you say Arnold that the gameplay is deep? Kind of. <laughs> I, I don't want to say it's like complex, but like it, it's kind of deep. It sounds like it has some complexity to it, though. It sounds like um, ASMR. There's some amazing effects. Like, you know how there's always, like, a, like a acid or fire, mm-hmm. some shit like that. There's fucking honey. <laughs> honey, make sure you can't fucking move. Of course, honey. Ink. <laughs> you can't, uh, they can't hit you because they're inked. Hmm. So, it's like, so is it, like, being blinded in the Final Fantasy game? It's like the, it's like the, the blooper from Mario Kart. Yeah, so it's like a blind effect. Oh, okay, yeah, so it's like a blind effect. Yeah, 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 so it's like a blind effect. Yeah, okay. This next one is fucking bounce. You can bounce enemies off the fucking map. What? <laughs> but they don't die instantly. They get rebounded, but if you bounce an enemy off, they take even more damage. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, this actually sounds kind of neat. Um, I'm pretty sure there's maybe some more, but I haven't found all the weapons. I've only, I'm not even, like, halfway through that. I've heard good things about the game. Um, I think most people don't play it because it's rabbits and Mario, and it's not cool to like Mario anymore. Um, and it's definitely not cool to like rabbits. Yeah, even I don't like rabbits. But like, it's, it's like apparently like it's not cool to like Mario anymore. So I like. Yeah, I mean, it's I'm I I don't you know I really just bought it for the Mario. Uh, I don't really care for rabbits, but it's it's they're all right. Yeah, rabbits. Uh, I'm music... like a video game for some time. The video game version of what? Minions. Yes. Mm, yeah. They're basically. exactly the video game version of Minions. Yeah, okay, but that's cool. I'm glad you're enjoying. What are you gonna it. say, Arnold? Sorry, uh, I was gonna say I'm um, enjoying the music in this game actually a lot. Oh. And I, uh, it's not it's not the normal composer for Mario games, so, um, is it? I don't think so. Uh, I don't um, know if there's a standard composer for Mario games. Uh, I think there is. Yeah, there is? Okay. I don't know any, like, Nobu Uematsu-level composers. So. Sorry, I'm just looking. Because oh, I think it's, like, someone who... Uh, was it Grant Kirkhope? Oh, yes, it was. Grant Kirkhope. Okay. He, he was from uh, back when Rareware was got here. Oh. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. I'm glad that he's going to work again because, you know, Rick had to work a weird time there. Well, Rare is still employed by Microsoft, so, yeah. But that's yeah, good. they made Killer Instinct, which was on sale a few weeks ago, which is strange, but mm. I forgot that game existed. <laughs> yeah, the, the remake of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's it for me for my uh, games I've learned. Okay, nice. How about you, Dustin? Um, I have been playing more World of Horror, and it's a good, it's a game that well for me because it's very easy to pick up and play it for like half an hour and finish a playthrough. Um, usually, I will admit, usually because I have died within half an hour, <laughs> um, because it is like Darkest Dungeon. It's one of those games where 
yes, to some degree, it is. It's not really frustrating because you kind of expect it. If that makes sense, right? Like, the playthroughs are intended to be short, and you want to see how far you can get to like unraveling the mystery. I have yet to make it very far because it is kind of a roguelike, and so sometimes I've wound up with really good um, stuff happen, and other times I just like keep running into things that like deplete my reason, and then I. Um, mm-hmm. or, or I get attacked by things that I'm really underprepared to fight. Uh, uh, it's fun though. It's very creepy. Um, I realized this, I won't actually, maybe I shouldn't spoil this, but I don't think any, many of our, uh, many of our listeners, except maybe Sarah would be, Sarah like, would be the only one into the creepy. Um, <laughs> it is if you leave it idle, it will jump scary. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. That's cool. Like you'll go back to the window and there's this like random, like creepy guy on the screen and it makes a noise and then he, he disappears. Oh, wow. <laughs> But he doesn't do anything until you react. He uh, reactive the window, oh. so he'll show up and be there while you're idle. And then when you go to the window, he makes it. Oh, okay, <laughs> which is a clever little thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, so it's fun. Um, I, I I discovered that actually by accident and thought, oh, so it jump scares you if you idle, and then I forgot it did that, and it got me anyway. Jeez. Um, um yeah but um it's fun uh almost done with fate zero i know i said that last time i watched a couple more episodes i think i'm on episode 20 or 21 now and i think there may be like 23 26 23, 24 yeah usually around there yeah um that care that that anime is full of really nasty not like high tier villains but like mid-tier mid-tier good mid-tier nasty villains yeah, yes yeah like gilgamesh is even yes! even worse <laughs> he's better and worse he's a good villain but he's like not likable if that makes sense he should have um, been high <laughs> well naraku is yeah it's been a longer time since i've seen naraku also God, this is kind of spoilers but fate is also so old um like kirei kotamine is so awful <laughs> yeah 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 like and i'm like what is his actual motivation and as I watched the show. I thought maybe this is just a statement on like the banality of evil. Sometimes now, sometimes people are just bad because they're like, "Why not? I'll just be terrible. Why not?" I think he gets off on it. Yeah, that's what I kind of figured. He's never really known like joy, and then he discovers. Well, I enjoy making people miserable, and he's really good at it. Mm -hmm. Like he's really good at it. And and to make sure that I'm clarifying the right character, this is Knife Hands Man, right? Yeah, this is the priest. This is the yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which also, by the way, I had forgotten as I was watching this series that, and I think I'd remember, I think we had discussed this a while back, that um, Fate is in the same universe as, as Melty Blood and, yes. and Tsukihime. Yeah. And I know. until they mentioned a term from that show, and like I realized, oh, wait, he's an exorcist. Yeah, like, he's an exorcist. Yeah. Well, in, in Melty Um Except he, she's actually like a good character, and he's terrible. <laughs> well, he fights her. Um, in another anime, if I'm correct. Yeah, there's probably some side story. There's there's yeah. so many different like Nasuverse like spinoffs. Yeah, I know. Me and you have definitely talked about it outside the podcast, so that may be where it happened. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, um, but yeah, I've been enjoying that. Um, that's about most of what I've been. I'm, I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to watch next once I finish Fate Zero. Oh, uh, maybe um, High Score been, Girl. Maybe yeah, Voltron. Maybe, maybe Voltron. <laughs> maybe one of those. Um, yeah. <laughs> 
we'll see. Uh, we'll see. Ah, uh, you know, I'll definitely scream it in your ear if you don't. <laughs> I mean, it's not like you had it on when I, when I came over. Oh, yeah, it's not like I had High School Girl Involtron on whenever you come to visit, Arnold. It's not like I'm just trying to subtly make you watch it. <laughs> I know, right? That's why I hoping Nintendo yeah. Switch sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> You're hoping Arnold's going to see that and be like, hey, what's this? I want to watch this. Well, and see, here's the funny thing. I'm done trying to convince people to watch something. That doesn't work anymore. Instead, they're just going to watch it when... What I do now is I just make them look at it, and they have to look at it if they're visiting me. And that way, they'll be interested via that. Because for some reason, my own personal excitement doesn't get people into things. Um, um, Again... Sarah notwithstanding, she usually gets into stuff that I'm into. Um, but like, so now I just use underhanded methods. Mm. Um, but yeah, so yeah, those are the options. What else uh, were you considering to watch? Um, I, oh yeah, I am intending to watch Gund- Gundam. Oh Gundam yeah, Gundam because yeah. I found it on YouTube on Gundam's official channel. So. That's a good. That's a good. Um, oh yeah, I was also gonna say I watched some somebody streaming a little bit of Guilty Gear Strive. Because that's in beta, right? Hmm. It was funny because the guy streaming it was like, "Oh wow, there's like fifteen people, fifteen thousand people watching this game on Twitch." And then he realized, like a few minutes later, that like twelve thousand to fifteen thousand were watching Maximilian streaming. Oh yeah, because he's a more popular guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, it's um, it looks fun. Uh, On that note, uh, this this is a thing that which probably could be a topic at some point about accessibility in games in terms of like making it um so you get more people into a game when it's complex um but arxis put a uh a set of videos up this week detailing uh character guides for the characters in the in the beta to kind of get people like you know i can uh, see it kind of being an accessibility thing yeah i think that was kind of their goal was i think fine games have struggle of like making a game complex enough to attract people that are into like the professional circuit but accessible enough that they sell a lot of copies. When I think of accessibility though, I don't think of someone putting up a guide for a game. I think of the game being good enough that people on the lowest tier can enjoy it Mm -hmm. and people on the highest tier can enjoy it are people who have difficulties playing video games in a certain way our, our normative way right. have that ability to do it. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't say it's fully accessible, but I wouldn't. I don't. I don't want to spit in its face either. It's definitely something mm-hmm. that may attract people, but it's also sort of some good marketing too. I think. It I makes think it's good say, marketing. Oh, interesting. I want to try this. Right. Now. I think it's more of a really well done marketing strategy. Um, but yeah. Which, yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. Well. If that is it for our news, that's it for our updates. Let's get into our key item. In today for our key item, 
Um, I actually had two choices before um, picking your key items. Um, these both the key items that I'm about to say were going to be our our suggestions that I got from people who listen to the podcast. And the other one I would... viewers are actually sending us emails. Uh, no, they're directly contacting oh, me. Wow, so it's people okay. I know. So, <laughs> But I would like... Well, I was really hopeful for a while. No, I, 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 I have no hope. Um, <laughs> we do have listeners, though. We do have some steady yeah, listeners. Yeah, that's good. But um, definitely... I will admit on podcasts that we can do better at getting our names out there. Um, but that being said, the people who did contact me about the the, t- the themes for the podcast, um, the one theme I got was either filler anime, like Ooh, a whole boy. thing on filler anime. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then I also got another one about classic video games or what makes video game a classic. And I figured... We'd do the classic video game first because we do a lot of anime stuff in general. Yeah, lately there's been a lot of anime, especially with the the villain tier. Right, and I was like, we're going to do a villain episode right after this, so why not do a filler one afterwards? And we'll do the whole thing about filler arcs in anime, which is a very strong topic. Um, I highly recommend, before you start this thing about filler anime in an episode get ready for me to shit on an anime you like i think everyone needs to know this everyone who likes anime get ready because filler anime are in all the popular anime so i'm coming for you naruto i'm coming for you one piece i'm coming for you dragon ball and you all will be actually more surprised at how much more filler is in naruto than in dragon ball like you're Mm -hmm. going to not be happy um, um, and you're not going to be happy that One Piece may have more filler episodes, but if you go based off percentage to episodes, it has less. <laughs> <laughs> so I think Naruto by episode percentage has the most filler. Maybe Bleach beats it. Um, but it's going to get ugly. I just want that be known ahead of time. I'm going to do a bit, good bit of research for that, actually, to make sure I'm correct. Um, Gintama people also get ready because your entire first... 13 episodes is filler. Um, Goddamn. So it's going to get ugly. I'm not here. Yeah, that's to... a weird way to start. Start off with some filler. Yeah, it's why a lot of people don't get into Gintama. Even though Gintama is praised as one of the greatest animes of all time. Um, yeah. So we'll see. But um, that was those, those were two topics. But I decided, why don't we do classic video games first and talk about that. Um, because yeah, next week is going to be a bunch of anime. The week after that, it's going to be a bunch of anime. So let's let's go into some classic video games. So before we get into our examples of classic video games, um, I thought that we, as a podcast, would sit here and let our audiences know what our criteria are for what makes a game a classic video game. And you guys, you know, shout it off if you want to. Um, take a moment to think. I'll start us off. Um, one requirement for a game to be a classic video game for me is usually it has to be able to. It has to be able to withstand the test of time, in some format, um, or at least stand the test of time within two decades. 
if that makes any sense. Right. Um, so, um, a game that is fantastical for five years doesn't become a um, classical game for me. Um, that, that's just one. You guys have any others you want to shoot at? I was going to wait and let Arnold speak if he had anything. I was oh, going to say, um, I think it's some. Mm-hmm. I feel like the art style should be able to not age super well, in my opinion. So wait, you're saying it shouldn't age well, or should age well? It, no, I should age. It should age kind of well. Okay. Yeah. Obviously, if it's like 20 years old, it's not going to be the prettiest game. Yeah. 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 But like, it should. It should. It just. If you look, decent. if like if I was like on the bus going down the street, and I look out my window and I just see like a frame or like someone has a poster of that shit. I should be able to recognize. Okay. So recognizable in age as well. Okay. Good one. Good one. Dustin. I think to some degree, it, you have to think about. Um, I think what makes. To me, what makes part of the difference is its contribution, I suppose. Yes, that was my um, next so, one. Um, whether or not it leaves something that endures, that even if the other things do it better later, you can mm-hmm. still look back on it and say, oh, this game is still significant because it did this and nothing had really done this or maybe nothing had done it well before this. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really a thing where like maybe the game comes out and that's also why like there aren't a huge number to me of shooters that are like classic games. Yeah. It's because that genre got so saturated that you have to pick out the ones that really just did something like outstanding at the time. Completely agreed. That's that was that was the one I was going to save to see if anyone got that's I think one of the biggest parts that makes a game classical is that if you can contribute to the gaming cosmos in a positive, impactful way that is that labels your game as that, you know? And that's what I think makes a game classical. Um, these are very good, strong points. I The next thing I wanted to ask, actually, and this is a big one, do you think it matters if people personally like the game that makes it classical? Or if that is... Um, um, independent of the game's quality of being classical. The reason I say that is because, um, like I said earlier today, it's popular to hate Mario, but I damn near would, I would hit somebody with a block of ice if they said that Mario isn't a classic game. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't, yeah. like, it, like, if they want to downplay the impact of Mario to the gaming world, um, so that's my question. Do you think the personal, um, your personal feelings towards a video game, does it make it classical or not? I would argue that no, like if, because there's going to be games that ever, at least one person just doesn't like. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I do mean that in more of a general sense that, um, of course, there's games everyone doesn't like, but I, I mean that in the sense of you've met somebody who, you know, just abhors the game or something like that. Yeah, I think there are games that not are not for everybody, but they can still be. Like, for example, I bet there's a lot of people, like even listening to this podcast, that probably wouldn't like like Mist, for example. Mm-hmm. But I would say Mist would be a classic game. Definitely, like really, really obscure cut. 
It definitely that. Or I'll go on my own personal thing. A classical game that has impacted the game in Cosmos is Final Fantasy VII. Cannot yeah, deny it. Can't, can't sit there and say, just because I don't like that game, is that it didn't have one of the biggest standings of video gaming ever. So, um, completely agree with that. Completely agree with that. Um, so let's get into the fun part. Let's talk about what are some classic games? What makes these games classical? Um, yeah, let's just nitpick. Let's be some bitches. Um, let's let's start with the original, at least the biggest, Mario. Like Mario Brothers, Super Mario World, Super Mario Bros., Super Mario Brothers Three. Like the Mario franchise is. The when you think classic gaming, I honestly think of that. Like, um, and I'll go. I'll start off. Um, one platforming. It is one of the most progressive platforming video games ever created because it incentivizes you to take your own agency to move forward through the game. Um, and here's what I mean by that. This is a very simple thing that's been analyzed before, and I've analyzed it myself. But um, hold on, everybody. I think I see a messenger ant. I'm going to go fix this problem. Excuse me. You may have heard, don't shoot the messenger. But if the messenger is an ant, apparently James says that's okay. I could just imagine the the ant crying that out loud. I have <laughs> he can't hear. I've returned. What? <laughs> James, I, I was making a joke, and you'll just have to listen in the recording about my pun made while you were AFK. Now that I know that there's a pun, I will not go back to this timestamp and listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately, you have so. <laughs> um, well, I, I don't really have to. <laughs> no, you don't have to edit. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, I thought you said that I have to listen. I do have to edit. Yes, you're right. I do have to edit. No, 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 no. Uh, um, it's, it's actually, I think it's clever. So okay. the audience can decide whether or not. Oh, no. Let me look at the timestamp. So help me God if it's not clever. I'm going to put wah, wah, wah in the background. <laughs> hey, you know, that's fine, too. <laughs> but okay. Um, so, yeah. So getting back to it, um, I think... Super Mario and Mario video games, they amplify the agency of the character by a simple trick of screen cutting. So when you move to the left in a Mario game, you can only go so far. Um, There's a block there, and then you have to move to the right. And at certain intervals in the level, you can never go back to the left. It pushes you forward. And I think that in and of itself creates the character to have some urgency and some clarity of the direction of the level. Um, and I just feel that Mario video games do platforming. They, they up until the, the late 2000s, I feel, Mario have pushed platforming to new levels every time. Right. In my personal opinion. But yeah. Yeah. Even like Mario 64, it took, was like the first really... I think I would argue probably the first really successful 3D platformer. Yes, it, it was indeed the first successful 3D platformer. 
Um, not the first 3D platformer people, but the most successful. Like, mm-hmm. it took 3D platforming to new heights, and it did. And I know people, for some reason, like to retroactively hate on Mario 64, but I think that's because now they just have all these new shiny games, and it's like, look, dog, now that you play Minecraft, don't shit on your Legos or your Lincoln Logs. Like, <laughs> they helped you learn, and they were there first. They may not be as shiny and new, and that's fine, but respect what it did. Oh, yeah, so yeah, so Mario's one for me. What about you guys? Uh, when I think of classic games, I think of Metroid. I knew it. Tell us why. I, uh, because, um, like, if you're talking about, you know, Mario, you can't go left. Uh, um, older games, obviously, and newer games. Fucking history. Uh, you can go anywhere. But in the older games, uh, you can only progress going right. Mm-hmm. And uh, it and while it's a, a good platformer, you always go into the right. There's not much exploring. But when I think of like, like a Metroid, you can. There's a whole like, just it's like a, almost a whole new genre. Well, it is a whole new genre again back then. But uh, like, there's more exploring. You can actually go to the left. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what you care about. Um, there's also platforming in that game, but there's also more discovery in that game. Yeah, I would I would say you could go even further with Metroid because Metroid um, takes power ups and does things significantly different than other platforms in them. So you got um, Mario power ups and Mega Man power ups that change the levels to certain degrees, but the levels are pretty much you know they're the same same levels. But Metroid's power-ups in those video games take the power-ups and they amplify the levels and they change the levels because you can't get to certain parts of the game without that power-up. Um, which was one of the first times that had been done in that way, if that makes sense. Like, platformers up until that point, your character had all the abilities for the most part and the power-ups just let them do a couple of new unique things. But in Metroid, Samus's power-ups are almost essential to the game in and of itself. Um, to the degree that going through certain environments, you die faster without certain suits, like the gravity suit and stuff like that. Sometimes so fast that you can't go there without that suit. <laughs> yeah, you can't go there without the suits. Um, so I would say that Metroid does that really, really well. Um, and to capitalize even more on that, Arnold... You know what Metroid does that not a lot of platformers are controller-esque video games did at that time? What? You had a moral choice in it. You could save the frames or you could save the animals. (laughs) (laughs) And it's it's very true. And um, the save the frames, save the animals is a GDQ joke. But um, you really could. Like, it it gave you the decision to save all the animals... In the video game, before the um, before the entire like world exploded that you were on in Metroid, and or the space station that you were on in Metroid, and they show at the end of the game um, when you're flying off Samus's ship, and then there's a little tiny speck that's supposed to be the animal ship flying off in the other direction, and you don't get that if you don't save them. Interesting. So it had alternate endings. It had moral choice systems. 
It um it had replayability because oh, I definitely had that. Yeah, I would say that um, for boys at least back then <laughs> they really wanted to see Samus with the clothes off. Um, and that all was the thing. Delayed glory. All that pixels. Got to get what you can get back then, I guess. Um, but yeah, I'd say Metroid is a definitely a strong choice for a classic video game. Um, hands down. Any other ones come to you guys' minds or jumps out to you? I'm going to go back to the beginning of the episode where I ruined James's opening. <laughs> and say make a man. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And it's funny because I had not actually thought of this. And maybe James is probably going to be like, you mean you didn't realize this? And I'm going to feel dumb. Um, <laughs> I feel dumb uh, so you know how, like, Rock was, like, a music reference with yeah. the Mega Man thing? Um, it was also, it actually really didn't start with the music reference, apparently, according to one of the designers. They started because the game was basically Rock, Paper, Scissors. Y- yes. I will not <laughs> say anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then they're just like, oh, we'll just have a bunch of music. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, admit, I I knew it was rock paper scissors, but I never realized that's why he was literally named Rock Man. Um, uh, but um, would have yeah. been named Rainbow Man. Rainbow <laughs> Man. Um, but yeah, they uh, yeah that was okay. I remember seeing that picture of KG and a Fune drew up when he was doing concept art. But anyway, um, uh, but yeah, that one was it gave you level selection like which you didn't even get with Metroid, which was mm-hmm. a little different. Um, it also had a different way of handling power-ups in that you got them from bosses and it changed sort of how the game played to some degree. Um, they did this even more later on, like when you play like the, the first X game and like stages change if you beat certain bosses first. Like I think uh, if you beat, uh, what was it, Chill Penguin before Flame Mammoth, then it mm-hmm. made the stage freeze over. Um, things like that. Um, it really gave you some versatility and that you had weapons and you had like resource management, which I think was fairly uncommon something it was a bit uncommon um yeah. metroid had it but yeah make Me- Me- zelda had it with like arrows and things like yeah. that but, um but yeah and also another big thing about that one platformer like mario um but it's a lot more vertical than yes. mario um because a lot of the stages involve you going up as well as up side side. yeah and sometimes backwards too like there were some that you would go up and then like go a different direction later on yes okay i was like thinking in my head i was like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and um, and also um on that note too the um with a lot of early platformers a lot of it was all in jumping and not necessarily doing anything with like a, the B button. <laughs> mm-hmm. There wasn't and, a defensive maneuver that you could do. No, and so and Mega Man actually, I think, was one of the first ones to really incorporate so much like the Mario style platforming, but also shooting too, which yes. you had in other games, of course, like Asteroid and Joust and things like that, but not really necessarily in like a Mario kind of format where you're like jumping around around platforms and also things, shooting at things. It was incorporating your ability to affect your environment with an attack without putting yourself necessarily in the in danger. You know, with Mario, it's all about where you're finna step on them. But you can easily misstep. As opposed to Mega Man where you can now shoot, you know, outside of your person and affect the environment without literally being in there. Which yeah. I thought was always a good one. Yeah. 
Yeah, Mega Man's a good one. I don't want to play Mega Man. <laughs> um, yes, just whip out your. Was there a Mega Man game? Yeah, Mega Man 11 on Switch. You can get I've the entire it, collection. You can get the entire Mega Man collection. Switch. I've got it on PlayStation 2. I've got like. Ah, but if you get it on Switch, you have all your little Mega Mans on one yeah, screen. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> I would have to figure out which one to get. I would actually probably. I would get X. Get the, uh, yeah, I would get the X series. So the X games are actually. Oh, not the X series. <laughs> the Zero series. Sorry. Sorry, say that again. I was saying not the X series, the Zero series. That I meant. Oh yeah, the Zero Zero games are really good. The X series is also, really good. yeah, yeah. Gunvolt is also good. Gunvolt's pretty good. Gunvolt's pretty good. Um, but yeah, okay. But anyway. So we got some Mega Man. Arnold, anything else jump to your mind when you think classic video games? Um, for like you said, like how Mario's more about the platforming, but not so much like affecting your environment. And mm-hmm. then, but Mega Man is mm-hmm. about like um, that's like how platformers first started. But when I think of re- like getting platformers to get even harder, more challenging, like I think of Castlevania. Mm. When there's a lot more precise jumping in that game, and you have to put yourself in mm. dangerous situations to keep going forward in, in that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and mm. I do know that in some. Uh, I don't remember which Castlevania it is, but like if you fuck up in one area, you actually drop down to a whole new world, a whole new level. If you fall off a cliff, um, like if you oh, fail one yeah, jump, yeah, okay, yeah, <laughs> and you have to restart the whole thing. Yeah, backtracking was created from Metroid and Castlevania, but I think Castlevania is the one that pushed it to its limits. Yeah. Well, then How much backtracking way. will people tolerate before they yeah. throw their controller in anger? Pretty much. Pretty much. Um, so I'm going to go through some classic games. Um, and, you know, you guys can say what you want when they jump out to you. Um, I'm going to say that the um, Final Fantasy franchise mm-hmm. in and of itself is just considered at least the first nine Final mm-hmm. Fantasies are classics at this point in time. Um based upon their implementation of story development with characters and their development and that twisting of a plot. Um, Because during that time, Final Fantasy in in Japan, because this is always important to realize, Dragon Quest or Dragon Warrior Mm -hmm. were the most influential JRPGs to the degree that they have basically transformed what JRPGs and RPGs are today. Um, hands down, like you almost always in, in, in heck, it's even to the degree that it's almost to the degree that Final Fantasy VII and Final Fantasy VIII created genres of anime of protagonists that were edgy. Like, we always kind of had them, but they became even more popular after 7. In, like, Sad Boys with Big Swords, you know, which can be argued that Guts was already the original Sad Boy with the Big Sword, but um, I feel those are, like, big things from Final Fantasy series, that they implemented integration of story that was the forefront of it, of the video game, as opposed to just the gameplay. Um, 
which video games is, which is, you know, storytelling in a video game at that point in time was not the biggest thing. You wanted to just play the game. But now storytelling could almost take the, the forefront of the game as opposed to the secondary part of the game. And on that note, Chrono Trigger is a classic. Yep. Um, Probably agree, of course. Yeah, Chrono Trigger is easily a classic video game. Um, but it, it borrows heavily from its Final Fantasy roots um, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So yeah, so I would say that um, Contra and Doom... You know, yeah, one of you guys mentioned. Like, uh, Doom is definitely. <laughs> I was gonna I mention mean, Doom. Yeah, because Doom really, in many ways, kind of the. What am I looking for? The first-person shooter as a genre, in Quake. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't uh, disagree with that. What are you gonna say? Also, oh, speaking of, well, I'll get to this in just a second. Okay, um, Arnold, what are you gonna say? Oh no! I just I just said that I was I was gonna mention Doom. Oh, okay, okay. Dustin, you can go ahead and finish it. So thing. I forgot. This is related to classic games. This is news that I should have mentioned. Uh, the do you remember the uh, the Chexman game? That was like a Doom re redo that came in like Chex cereal. <laughs> I want to say yes, but I cannot recall what it was. So like. people love this game because it was a really good like mod of Doom, basically that made it like kid friendly. Mm-hmm. And it's getting remade. <laughs> oh my goodness! And apparently, people are actually really hot. Oh my goodness! Yeah, people my age and older shouldn't be getting hyped about this stuff. <laughs> I, I know, I know. But no, that's fine. If that's what they like, that's what they like. <laughs> but yeah, I would say Doom and Contra definitely push shooters to huge levels. Mm-hmm. Um, Metal Slug in that goes with the Contra area. Um, just silly, over-the-top action death. Yes. These are these three Launching games... missiles and lasers and... Rocket launcher. And, uh, rocket, rocket launcher. <laughs> but, like, you... Those games were games for gaming's sake. There was, like, no real story. You just played the game and murdered things in the most grotesque ways. Yeah. Um, Especially if you were playing some of the later Contras in Metal yes. Slug. And I dare anyone to play a Metal Slug game with a friend and not enjoy themselves. Yes, I dare you. I, It is one of the most fun co-op games you can play. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all on Steam? Yes. Well, not all of them. I think there's one that's missing. But definitely up there. Um, so... I have to mention. Oh, go ahead. Comes to classic games, Street Fighter. I have it. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> go ahead, Street Fighter yes. Two. Yes, the Street Fi- Street Fighter Two. Yes, Street yes. Fighter was a game that people don't barely remember exists. Yeah, that game does not count as a classic in my opinion. But Street Fighter Two. Goodness, Street Fighter Two really kind of defined the the nineties arcade for it a while. Honestly, there defined because... that most people can't count to three. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's set the way of oh. not being able to count three for Valve software and for so many. <laughs> I was going to say on that note. Was going to say on that note. If you want to understand that joke, everybody, watch High Score Girl. They make reference to that joke several times. Yep. Um, but yeah, it um, Street Fighter Two really was a good 
really solid, fun, competitive kind of fighter. Um, back in that day, you had to play it in the arcade, though. You couldn't go play it online. Um, but yeah, and it really set, it set like a whole rush of fighting games in the 90s. It's... Combat. Um, mm-hmm. I think King of Fighters, actually, I can't really, like, I know really Street Fighter helped SNK to really lean hard into that genre. Um, mm-hmm. even though it didn't have as much success here as it did in like Latin America. But mm-hmm. but yeah, it really set like a whole series of, of, of everybody was trying to make the new Street Fighter. And we have so many good and so many bad fighting games that follow. Street Fighter is one of the archetypal video games of all time, Street Fighter 2, because it, like Dustin is saying, it paved the way for fighting games to get to how they are now. And particularly in the 90s and early 2000s, they were bombing. Like, they were everywhere. Um, Everybody wanted Yeah, everyone wanted to make their Street Fighter. Um, Everyone wanted to make their own significant character from Street Fighter 2 or make a unique environment. Um, To the degree that, like... Again, if you really, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm going to fucking sell this video, this this show like freaking crack. But High Score Girl is a great <laughs> historical documentary, actually, <laughs> on fighting games in the '90s because that's the thing, and it it developed. It's such about arcade culture. Street Fighter is so integrated with arcade culture, um, um, that. When you think of arcades, one of the machines in your brain probably is Street Fighter 2. And don't try to be hipster with it and say, oh, I think Pac-Man. No, you don't. Hold on now. I saw a new like multi-cade machine at a, a while back. Uh-huh. And I was like, what, the, what on earth is this? It's like Galaga. Don't get me wrong. Pac-Man is there. Yeah. But when you think about something that made the arcades what it is... It's Street Fighter 2. People would mm-hmm. line up. It created rivalries. It People was a way for... put their quarter on yep. the machine to hold their spot. Exactly. It One, that shows freaking like respect for each other because no one stole quarters. Um, it also, like, it was how people settled beef without shooting or beating each other up. So, what you're saying, James, is <laughs> it's almost like people to take out their aggression yeah it's almost like video games can help you take out your aggression in a healthy environment and you all had your own characters there was different techniques you have people that like to push you into corners um i hate those people but like you know you it created your identity as a gamer too because you would pick people who you felt connected to through the game and it was just a really 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 good time um and then afterwards, people just kept trying to recreate Street Fighter 2. Street Fighter 2 was so good, they never made a 3 for years. They made Street Fighter 2 Alpha, Street Fighter 2 Turbo, Street Fighter 2 Zero, Street Fighter 2, like... Yeah, there was, the, like, the Street, Grand yeah, Champion. all these fans. Yeah. Turbo, uh-huh. Championship Edition, fight, uh, what is it, uh, Fighting... Mm-hmm. Alpha slash Zero was sort of its own thing, but yeah. even then, it wasn't a sequel. It was like it wasn't. It was like, yeah. So 
Street Fighter 2 is a phenomenal game in the gaming cosmos because it helped transform what a 2D fighter and what a fighter would be. And that is still echoed throughout um, the gaming as- the gaming culture hierarchy and stuff like that. So yeah, Street Fighter 2, definitely a strong one. Now, we, get, we went through some criteria of um, classic games. We gave some examples of classic games. Now, here's the interesting part. The games we all listed, for the most part, were introduced either in the 80s or the 90s. I know for certain there's classic games that came into the 2000s. What are they in... Actually, let me take that back. First off, do you think we have modern classics right now? I think we do. Yeah, I would say so. Okay. Um, Name some modern classics. So, referencing last week, I would argue Undertale will probably be a modern... Completely agree. Um, completely agree. I think Undertale falls into the vein of being a modern classic game, but also a cult classic. Because it has pushed the genre into a different area, but I wouldn't say everyone has played it. It's not like Mario. You know what I mean? It's super popular, but it's super popular in its area. But I would say, yeah, I would say Undertale... Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say Halo. Yeah, Halo is a modern or modern-ish. I say that as though it's not old game. Mm-hmm. Halo helped to re kind of re-energize. And, yeah, it re-energized the the shooter. Wasn't its full title Halo Combat Evolved? Yes. Yep. It literally was saying what it was doing. It. I don't think. Yeah. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Um, I was going to say, uh, well, never mind. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was going to say Halo helped reintroduce the unique thing that shooters were missing for the longest time, and that was fun weapons. Yeah, fun weapons and story. I think story. Yes. Like yeah, it was one of the. F- well, I mean, you had some with like Half Life, which I would also call Half. Half Life. Yeah, Half Life is a classic. Completely agree. Completely agree. Classic idol. Oh, can you think of any uh, modern classic? Resident Evil 4? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Because yeah. it redefined that whole series in many ways. It reinvigorated the, the Resident Evil series. Mm-hmm. It got me into it. I don't like Resident Evil. Like, <laughs> I know all the story. I know all the lore. I love the story. I just don't like the games. And 4 got me into the series. I then quickly left because... Five was racist and six was bad, but like you know, <laughs> punching rock man. Um, yeah, like boulder punch rocks. Yeah, Chris Boulder Puncher. Right? Would you guys say? I don't think they're classics. I think they're really well done. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Do you think Star Wars Knights no. of the Republic? Ooh, delicious! Hitting on my nostalgia. <laughs> Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic is definitely a classic, in my opinion, because that was when all the... It, it, those are the predecessors to Mass Effect, Dragon Age, um, all those... The Witcher, basically. Like, they're the predecessor to all these um, Western RPGs 
that took story onto the Final Fantasy level and gave choices, you know, but also had great action and stuff and story into it. And to this day, I say Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic is the strongest out of all of these. Like, graphically, sure, it doesn't look as good as the other games, but... (laughs) Like story wise, it outdoes Witcher, it outdoes Mass Effect, it outdoes everything. It's just good. It's just a good series. Um But it's also it's one that influenced all those But it's influenced all of them. So yeah, very good one, Arnold. Um so good you made me forget what I was gonna say. <laughs> Dustin, you go ahead. Uh, yeah, so I can remember too because I got distracted by. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, do you want me to name another one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. You didn't destroy these old men's brains. Uh, Portal, in my opinion, yeah. mm. is I feel like it's a really good classic. It was, I think, yeah. it's like one of the. I don't know if it's the first game, but it was one of the first games that made me think that not all what you do in a game is good and fun. I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, like, if you recall how the introduction of that game is. Like, oh, you're the obviously the whole cake is a lie bit happens from is that is that where it's from? Is yeah, that that's, that's, that's where it's from. Game. Yeah, that's where the first. So one. like you're doing the your normal hey NPC said this, do this, A, B, and C, and then you're on your way to get your prize. Wait a minute, why is there a fire pit? Where am I going? Oh, okay, I see what you're meaning. You're meaning that it was showing more of what a game could, everything uh, could it, do. I was, yeah, I was going to say it's more of a, a, a self-awareness in video gaming mm-hmm. that also everything wasn't cut and dry. It wasn't you go from point A to point B. Now it is they tell you to go from point A to point B and you have to think of a way to get there because it's not explaining everything to you fully. Mm-hmm. Um, it goes more into um, critical thinking, agency, and like stuff like that that's implemented in video games. Definitely a good one. Definitely a good one. Um, Portal, again, lies in that area for me of, like, Undertale. Of being, like, really a good. Classic. A cult classic that's also a classic. And I think... I don't think these shouldn't be considered classics, in, in my personal opinion. But I also know that people could make solid arguments for why they're not. Um, but I say Portal has a strong one because it shows to me... What a game that's a first-person game that isn't about shooting. It's an FP. It's an FP platformer. It's an FPP. Like the core mechanic of Portal isn't to shoot something and kill it. It's to grab a robot and have him shoot other. <laughs> but but even then, but no, even then, Arnold, that's a small part of that game. Yeah, yeah I know. I was thinking just. Oh, yeah, no, no, I know. But I'm thinking of it as in, like, it shows how a video game can be... It can have a reduced level of violence and still be good. And still be, like, intuitive in that. So, yeah. I would definitely say that's a good one. That's a good one. Dustin, what's another modern classic you think of? Um, so, while we're on the Valve train here... Um, Team Fortress 2, I think, in many ways, because it kind of set the stage for a lot of our class-based shooters that we see with Overwatch. Whatever that game is that Riot I pay no attention. Valorant. <laughs> Valorant, thank you. Yeah, yeah. And it also did a very characterful... Um, it was, I think, one that said, hey, it's not really going to be plot-heavy, but we're going to make the characters 
is yes. really entertaining and yes. make it based around that. That it's just fun shooter with focus on character rather than like narrative or focus on like depth. Yeah. Yeah. It also, I hate to say also kind of set a stage for let's see how long we can keep updating one game and not make a new game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Yeah. Every classic doesn't necessarily They're like, man, things. instead of making a new update, let's make a new hat. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 it helps push forward cosmetics in video games. And another thing I will say, too, is it really pushed for, and this is actually a, a good thing, is it pushed for rewarding um, creators of content. Mm. Because mm. Team Fortress was one of the first games that I know of that really officially supported people making their own games and would actually oh, yeah. like compensate people if they decided to use those as like official content. Oh yeah, yeah. I can agree with that. Huh. Yeah. Oh, man, if only Bethesda did the same thing. I know, right? Instead of just breaking everything. Fuck, man. They, they could have been like, hey, if you want your shit to be official, well, we'll sell it. you give you some money. But they're like, no. These aren't paid mods. Speaking of Bethesda, are we? I would say Morrowind, Elder Scrolls Morrowind, mm-hmm. and I would also say. Um, I want to say Fallout Three. Right, but... I was going to say Fallout, Fallout Three, Fallout and Fallout. I mean, Fallout Three in New Vegas. I I I don't like Bethesda right now, but I think they're those are fair games. Mm-hmm. Those are games that popularize the post-apocalyptic, like. The post-apocalyptic setting that's fun. You know, it's all... It, it took Mad Max and made it comical, more so. And there was a lot more, like, choices in that game. Mm-hmm. It took, it took like, um, yeah, it took in, like, a lot of the um, new, new aspects of choice development in video games. And so. while not a lot of people enjoy a karma system, it was, I think, one of the first games that I played where actually doing something negative had repercussions yes it was one of the first video games to put in that like what you do impacts the game you can't just do what you want to um again kind of like star wars that's all public got megaton blowing up everyone's fucking heard it even your dad Mm -hmm. yeah spoilers by the way but fuck you (laughs) the game's old as fuck it is old as fuck. If you don't know about that one, then I don't know what to do for you. Um, it's one of those ones where if you haven't played it yet, you... Yeah, no. Completely agree. I'm trying to think of some more classics that... See, I keep wanting to say Ico and um, ah, Shadow of Colossus, but I feel that those games were they're so... Niche? Well, they're very niche. And they were too ambitious to the degree that most people don't play them. Well, well hold on now. One of them did get remastered. That does say remastered. Oh, does not, not remastered. You got remade. Re- it's a whole remake. Remake or remaster does not count to me as being a classic. There are a lot of classics that got a remake. Um, a, a lot of them have all been coming out this year and last year. That's Final true. Fantasy. You know what? Well, this was this was before all the remakes were coming out. Come on, man. But but here's the thing, though. What did Ico and Shadow Colossus do for gaming in the respect that people have taken it now and used it? That's the well, question. 
but Maybe. based off our criteria. Mm. Now, I mean, like, mm-hmm. you want to go? No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I want to hear what you were going to say. Uh, I didn't. I, I, I'm going to preface this by saying I didn't beat the game, but I do know about the ending. Shadow Colossus is one of the few games where, uh, I guess, I, I didn't play a lot of early games, but the ending is actually not great. Everything you were, you were told to do by, like, the game that you thought you were doing was right was... Mm, so I had a very kind of melancholy ending, very kind of sad. Um, th- that's true, but again... Because, this, I can... because it was like the... It, from If you first played it, it was like, oh man, I'm the hero. There's like voices from the ceiling yeah, yeah, telling yeah. me to do this and this and this. It must be good. But every time you slay a giant, you get fucking... You inhale fucking... So, yes, black, I know... Well, you know what I'm trying to say, right? Right, like, no. The, the whole ending was sub, like, subverted. So for so for what people may not know what's happening, when you play Shadow Colossus, your original mission is to help um, awaken your sick, dying girlfriend um, from death's door, and you take her to a temple on an island that you're not supposed to be on, and the spirits tell you to do it. And the spirit tells you to go hunt down these colossi and kill these colossi. These colossi are minding their own goddamn business. They have only a few of them attack you on site um, for um, like unprovoked. And that's just them defending their territory. And you go and you kill them. And whenever you kill them, they, there's a sad music that plays. And they're wailing and they're crying in pain. And um, when you kill them, black tendrils come out of their bodies and they hit you in the stomach and the back. And they suck your soul out. And your character, who's already white... <laughs> becomes really really pale like by the end of the game like your literal soul has been drained um in order to do this and it the whole message is about taking self-sacrifice so far and what you the things you will do to get what you want and whether it definitely pulls into question who's the villain here because these colossi are not attacking you're just going to kill them for your own selfish reason to defy death, you know, um, very Grecian story like stuff. But um, but here's my question, Arnold. I don't think any of that's wrong. I completely agree with it. I love Shadow Colossus. It's one of my top video games, actually, and it is a cult classic. Would you think of it as a classic in video games that has other games have done something like this? that's my only question based off of our criteria that we've made I think it definitely tracks though I think it's a classic game personally but I don't think in the gaming cosmos it is like um It falls into the same area of like the the alternate the alternative Star Wars video games like Rogue Squadron and the um, what's the one I know Dustin knows this one um, Shadows of the Empire Shadows of the Empire Shadows of the Empire good games great games or Jedi Knight is the other one our Jedi Knight um, great games but I don't know well Jedi Knight. Jedi Knight is actually kind of a classic. Yes, I would say Jedi Knight. Yeah, it does. It actually kind of 
it kind of set the, it was like the first game I think well not the first game but the first Star Wars game that tried to go out and say here's a new character who is not in the movies but you should care about him and you should also watch him as he becomes a Jedi Mm-hmm. Also, it gives you it's one it's an early game that lets you choose sort of how you played the game, and that you could be dark you could be dark side or light. Side, I think had not been done in Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. But I, I I agree with Arnold there. I'm gonna kind of label them both um, as slight classics in that cult sense. Classics. Cult classics. Um, uh, what about um, this? Is a completely different note. But what about like World of Warcraft and fantasy? As like the definers of the MMO as a genre, I completely agree with this. Um, and I don't like World of Warcraft. I never really got into it, but I completely agree with this. That um, WoW and Fantasy Star Online, and um, Final Fantasy Eleven to some degree too. Yeah, yeah. Well, hmm. no, I don't know because Final Fantasy Eleven is a strange beast because it didn't really change that series right like one more like it and it was more of a much more japanese in final uh, fantasy i was and not as white spot yeah and i would say that final fantasy has never done anything uniquely different so much as it takes what's established and does it well yeah if that makes sense um Mm -hmm. i think final fantasy still goes into a classic series as far as storytelling goes but as far as in, particularly in the MMO world, because Final Fantasy um, 11 in particular, it could be argued that Final Fantasy 11 was for Final Fantasy hardcore fans. It was. Because it even required a huge group to do anything, like even small content. It was a, it was a, yes, it was a poorly designed MMO that you don't, and by when I say poorly designed MMO, you could still enjoy it. But I feel that if you liked Final Fantasy or if you had friends to play with or just people who were willing to play with you, that's where the enjoyment came from. As opposed to WoW and um, Fantasy Star, those games integrated the single player aspect well enough and the intuitiveness well enough that you could play it in and of itself. That makes sense? Because I've heard from a lot of Final Fantasy XI players that they love the game. But there were moments where they would just, like, leave the game because crazy shit had to go down for it to work. Um, So, yeah, I would say Fantasy Star Online and WoW definitely started it. I think Final Fantasy did it well, and I think Final Fantasy XIV has mastered it. Um, But I wouldn't say they are modern classics. Final Fantasy XIV may become a classic. Right. Way down the line. I see that happening. Wow, I even tried to market itself as a classic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow, yep. wow, classic. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So those are our modern classics. We talked about classics in general. My bigger question at the end of it, and this is this is mainly because um, of what's been happening lately in gaming. There has been a classic renaissance, basically. Do you think it's good to have a remake of a classic? And if they do remake the classic, I don't care how good it is. Do you think that subtracts from the original work? Like it makes it less of a classic 
or it changes it to the degree where you're worried that that particular game will be lost to the avenues of time because this one is now shinier or plays better or whatever. I don't think it, it would just because if it's because of its impact, if it's been that impactful, like, I, I wonder that, though. I wonder down the line how many people will talk about Final Fantasy VII on the PlayStation and how many people will talk about Final Fantasy VII on the PS4 and the PC. I mean, honestly, it just feels like... It just, it like it might sound mean, but it sounds like a fad. All these remakes, honestly, just like... It's just I, popular to play a remake right now, but I feel like at the end of the day, people are going to be like, they changed too much from what it was meant to be. Well, see, and here's the thing, Arnold. I agree with you. That, that's my take. But from what I've been hearing, the fan people of 7, RE5, RE3 have been like, oh, my God, they changed this, and I love it. They They're changed just it. bored. I, lo- I try not to say something so blatantly all-covering that's also probably very true, Arnold, but... <laughs> No, that's too fucking bad. I'm going to give it to them straight. They're all fucking bored. I do feel that people are fucking bored. And they they just say... Like, for instance, people are now saying that they love Aerith. Aerith. In in their mild... (laughs) Mild I have heard that because this game is so much longer, they had to add a lot lot more characterization to a lot of characters and so that maybe makes a difference I've but anybody that. who says oh i love Aerith, i always love if i didn't realize she was good before is probably basing their opinion too i i agree now, they always like Aerith. good for them that's fine <laughs> but if you say oh she's great i just didn't realize it before that's the thing about i'm, I'm gonna go I, I go on a little tirade here not okay. really tired. Go ahead, go ahead. Um, so when it comes to remakes i always and this is i guess maybe Maybe partly because I'm immature. Um, that I always see remakes of video games as a form of media, like a book or a movie. And that whenever you remake something, you are essentially making something new. And hmm. I think that even though it's based on the same content, it kind of has to stand on its own to some degree. If it's a remaster, no, it's just. The same. Um, but if it's an actual remake, it's becoming its own kind. Of creative work in a way, um, just like two people might adapt the same like book into a movie and make entirely different adaptations. I think the same kind of thing can have a game too. Mm. Um, now, how closely they try to emulate it makes a difference too. Because if it's like, hey, we just made it with our new technology, but it tries very hard to be the same game without any changes, then that's a little different. Um, versus like, so like Final Fantasy VII is. So vastly different than um, than the original that I almost consider it to be its own work, just with the same the same general like premise. I can completely agree with that. Actually, um, it doesn't make my judgment of the remake. Oh yes, yeah, but I completely agree. <laughs> with, I completely agree with you though that Final Fantasy VII is its own game at this point, but. Mm-hmm. I I think the way I look at it is kind of like what it's a mix of what you and Arnold look at it from, but I also look at it from the business perspective. I'm always like, why did you choose to remake this one? 
Like, yeah. why did you choose to do this? Why did you choose to make? Is it Wedge? Is they made Wedge horny? Like, they made it, Wedge is the girl with the red bandana in Seven, I, right? No, that's that's Jesse. Jesse, sorry, they made Jesse horny. Yeah, Jesse. Jesse is real thirsty. So like every, but everyone loves that, and it's really weird. That's a really <laughs> weird thing for people to say. Like it's like I really like that Jesse is like during this war time that they're doing. She's just trying to get in people's pants. Which, you know, it's fine. Everybody likes to be jokey and kitty. That's great. But, like, uh, and I, I, I'm I, sure she says funny things. I'm not saying that she doesn't. But what I am saying is is that it's kind of a mix. It's like, okay, so you decided to make Jesse horny. Um, you decided to make Aerith have more character. Which, by the way, that means they actually wrote a character for Aerith. Because yes. she didn't have one to begin with, everybody. Um He's very flat. Oh, man, is a fighting words. Um, Aerith is a shit character. She is the worst written I'm going to save that joke that crossed my mind. I'm just not going <laughs> I, I figured the joke you were going for. Yeah, there's a joke. I here. thought it as you said it. I'm not the only one but, um, on that. But, but no. Okay, so I, not now. Just because now people are going to be like, no, no, no. Leave them wondering. <laughs> okay, we'll leave them wondering. <laughs> but um, but no, um, I was going to say that it always interests me because people, for oh, for instance, um, and it depends on the person because I Jim Sterling is my favorite internet video game personality of all time. I love this guy, but me and him differ on a lot of our taste for things outside of our love for Final Fantasy IX. We both love Final Fantasy IX, but. He likes a lot of more goofy things. He really likes nostalgia. So he he loves Seven. He loves mm-hmm. RE3. He loves RE2. And then when I look at other people's take on these remakes, they have much more critical things to say. And it seems to me that if you don't already have this kind of like nostalgic, childlike love for something, when it is remade, you just see the flaws. As opposed to somebody else that's like, ooh, this is what I want. And so... It it is weird when it's when we're tying it back to classics. It makes me wonder. Like, it makes me wonder because the older generation that should be holding up the classics to preserve them, mm-hmm. and then the younger generation should be creating their own classics so that we can explore those. It's right. now that they're tying in the younger generation with a classic, but turning it into basically just this new shiny piece of work. And I don't know if that. I don't think those games become classics. Like, how do you say Final Fantasy VII's remake is a classic when it's really just the more bombastic version of the original version? Um, And I feel it subtracts a little bit, but I also agree with Arnold. I think people are bored. I think people want a distraction. People want to feel good, so they're like, oh, Seven, it's the game of my life. Like, I have seen tweet after tweet after tweet after tweet after tweet of people saying, I beat Final Fantasy VII, as if people care. Like, they're like, I beat it, played it for 40 hours, and I'm like, wait, it's only been three days. (laughs) Why are you playing this game? So you played the game for 40 hours, and you're done, and now you're announcing it. And it's like, that's, for me, in my, and correct me if I'm wrong, a classic game never was announced this much. Hmm. It became a classic, like when you said, think of a classic Uh, game, just thought of one. Yeah, um, and on that note, too, it's interesting to me, and I think this has changed a little bit of how we perceive classics. This is something I, when, when you told me this week, I this, is that at one point with 
the gaming culture. Um, we had more, I guess, gatekeepers in terms of the critical quality of games in a weird way. Um, I mean, you could still like a game, even though it was considered to be a quote-unquote bad um, But at one point, a lot of art filtered through the hand perspectives of reviewers before they ever like a, a market audience. So they went to like Game and Electronic Gaming Monthly and PlayStation Magazine and all these things like Nintendo. And um, so that kind of said, oh, this they would praise a game and it would show up for like issue after issue after issue at time. I just mm. remember how many covers Final Fantasy VII was on. So many. Before it came out, even after it came out, I actually saw all that cover image that was cover of... I think it was EGM. Um, that was the artwork that was done by the, I think, the original creator. If it's not, it's very... Mm. Um, but yeah, and so that kind of made... the That was sort of like... Those, I think, platforms helped to establish certain games as classics not um, but as that has become less common and people have more platforms to share their opinion and interact with other people circle about the quality of games I think that has brought into question whether it makes it harder for a game to just be immediately accepted as the game just, that's, I, that's weird because I and also easier though cause right that's what I was going to say wild. I was gonna. I was gonna say that the counter argument to that, because I agree mm-hmm. with everything you said, was that it becomes viral to like something. Like, mm-hmm. d- dare you to get on a platform and say Dark Souls sucks? <laughs> like, it, it, the first, if, if I don't get at least ten comments to say get good, right? I'm upset. Right. So <laughs> I would say that the classical game since, now, but then if I get on there and say one of the most classic video games of all time on the PlayStation Two was like Tales of Abyss and everyone should play it, everyone would go, "What the fuck is that?" Like you know, like it's. Um, I think that the culture. Somebody that will be. Oh yeah, you'll get the one, the Preach. one kid that goes, "Oh my goodness, you know me," and it's like <laughs> I do, like I get you, dude. Thank you. Like, you know, um, but it's more popularized. And I feel the games that became famous for one thing or another, when you remake them, it's really just the same thing over again. Because when I think about it, and I just thought of this right now, Final Fantasy VII became really popular because of its graphics. It did. Final Fantasy VII Remake. And the art style. Yeah, yeah, and Final Fantasy VII Remake is basically really big because of its graphics. Like, you know, um, and like, I know they added more characterization, but the real reason people are playing this game is because you get to see the game in a different visual perspective. Um, And so, yeah, I guess I just wonder how the future for a classic game will be, because when I think classic games now, I actually think of indie titles. So I think like Shovel Knight. (laughs) Um. Like, what were some of the other ones we talked about? We had, like, I think, like, Stardew Valley, Shovel Knight, um, like, Limbo, stuff like some 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 Minecraft, like, you got these... Yeah, Minecraft we didn't mention, but I would call it. Yeah, that would be, like, more of a modern classic, but I don't know what could be a classic game. Maybe someone will argue for Last of Us. I don't think yeah, it I will be. Mine would be Maybe the one Walking of the Uncharted Dead. games. People Uncharted, like. yeah. 
I, I, uh, what about I, Bioshock? Bioshock. I, I would argue that's a Bioshock. classic. Bioshock's a classic. Here's the reason I don't put Last of Us as a classic because the Walking Dead game existed first. <laughs> and I people know this about me. I will argue tooth and nail that the Walking Dead video game was far better than Last of Us. And it did that whole dynamic before Last of Us. And it did it with colored people. Yes. So, <laughs> fuck Last of Us. Don't give a shit. Gameplay was bad anyway. Don't like it that the little girl character can run around while zombies are eating at people and not be hurt. But they wait, come wait, wait, wait. They're not me. zombies. What are you talking about? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> the pollen people. Like... That's, that feels like me, right? You, oh, get a, you get a clicker to your back and it just like eats you. Um, that gameplay was real bad, honestly. Non-biased opinion. I fucking hated that game. Um, but, like, you know, I, people could argue and they have every right to argue that Last of Us would be a classic game for them. Um, but there's less games that I could consider classics now. At least in the current gaming. Uh, well, Breath of the Wild will end up a classic. Mario Odyssey will end up a classic. Nintendo uh, is... I don't, I don't see how Odyssey would be a classic. I think it does because... because... like... Oh, go ahead. Mario Galaxy came out before that thing is... Uh, and Mario Galaxy is basically like Odyssey. You make a strong point. I agree I think, with that. I, you know, I, I feel like a lot of people don't even know about... See, that's the, about Galaxy? Yeah. Well... It was on the Wii. Yeah, people shot down the Wii like fools. Um, it's, you know, it's you know what though is they're lost. It's a good it is, game. It is Galaxy good. one and two are fucking great. Yeah, but yeah, I I always wonder what the future will hold for classic video games, and I'm not sure what that's going to be like. Um, I think right now, fighters had their time to be classic video games. I don't know. In the it's future. time for the classics to be classics again. It's time for the classics to be classics again? Yep. What do you That's mean? what all these remakes are doing. Oh. See, I I will argue that doing a remake diminishes your classic. By the very nature that it has to siphon off the inertia from the classic to do it. Mm. Um, for instance, I'd actually buy this. I'll admit openly that I would buy it. But it will subtract it. But if they remake Chrono Trigger... It will take away from Chrono Trigger because yeah, a lot I hate of to say when you said that James, all I could think of was like Chrono Trigger and like Dragon Quest style. Ooh, <laughs> that'd be cool because I love Dragon Quest. Um, but see that, but that's my point. Like it would take it away because you're taking, mm-hmm. for instance, when you say combat, and I keep using this because it's a very good example of this. When you say combat in Final Fantasy VII, you say it's like Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. So then now you're talking about another it's game and they derivative, were, basically. Right. As opposed to if they took Chrono Trigger, they'd have to make it like something else. I don't know what, but because Chrono Trigger has a significant amount of techniques that require two characters or three characters. Um and the animation and everything was done in that context. So I feel your remake will subtract from your original work, but Arnold is also right that classics are now becoming popular again like they're it's funny they're trying to reintroduce classics um in the weirdest way possible but that is what's happening because we're getting resident evil 4 remake um 
I would not be surprised. Huh? I'm just saying, they need to quit making games that are not that old. They're, they're going to do it. I really feel that sooner or later we're going to get a Final Fantasy eight overall, even though we just got the... We got to make, they got to make like six more games of seven. <laughs> you know what's sad <laughs> is that that's very true. It, it'll be like three probably before. That's still a lot. That's still a lot. I just have a question for you, James. Are you telling me if that you wouldn't play a remake of Final Fantasy nine? No. No? Uh, because I am a fan of that series, I would try it out. Do I want that? No. Like, I I am one of those people that feels they should try to transfer those games in a more remastered-looking version to other systems, but I don't ever feel they should completely rework them or remake them because I feel what makes them classic was how they were designed when they were designed. But I also don't want people to miss out on that game either, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I feel that they should transfer it how it is, spruce it up, put some quality of life changes in there. But there's no need to recreate a new game when you could when you could create something new in that same prospect by still keeping the old alive. You don't need to siphon the young energy to the old thing. This is starting to sound political. <laughs> to siphon yeah. the new energy to the old thing to make it live longer as opposed to making sure you just don't leave the old thing behind while creating new stuff. Um, that's my personal philosophical like thought process on gaming. Because old games aren't bad. New games just have more quality of life changes. Um, and the perfect example is that I'm playing Final Fantasy XII, The Zodiac Age, and I'm re-enjoying this game as if it were a new game because they put quality of life changes in it. I've already played the game in its original format. I beat it. But I'm thoroughly enjoying it. And it's not all based off nostalgia. I'm genuinely enjoying the gameplay of it. You know, because they made a few changes. And I'm playing it on my Switch. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's they can do it. They don't want to do it. And that is my biggest issue. For instance, you don't have to remake Resident Evil 4. You can make an argument for having remade 2, 3, remaking Final Fantasy 7. Fair enough. Code Veronica. Code Veronica's there. You can remake Code Veronica. Four. Was Code Veronica like a sleeper hit or something? It was a side game. It was a it was a sleeper. It was in the it's in the same category like Shadow Colossus and stuff. Something that's really popular for the fans, mm. but it's not known to everybody else. There's a lot of games. There's a lot of games, but you never see Nintendo remaking stuff. They'll HD re they're HD something up, but they don't They'll remake put it. Every game that they've ever made yeah. on the next system, right? But they don't remake it, and that makes me wonder why do you think that is. Like, why do you think Nintendo doesn't remake stuff, but they make like, new stuff? Hey, this is still fun. Yeah. Oh, let's just... Right. It's just... If somebody in Nintendo who goes back and they're like, hey, we need you to go look at possible remakes. And they're like, okay. And then they look at it and they're like, we don't need to remake. Right. I can't think of too many games from Nintendo that's been remade. I know a lot of remasters, um, but they keep the core because they make the core strong. And I think if you make the core strong, you don't need to redo they, something. They've been working on that core strength. <laughs> so, yeah. 
So yeah, okay. Any closing thoughts about classic games? Anything you guys wanted to say that you didn't get to say? Any notes you want to put out there? Um, I can't really think of anything else. Okay. Arnold. I think we should all know that Nintendo makes the best classics. <laughs> you know, I can't disagree with that. Yeah, a lot it's, of them are, are it, Nintendo. A lot of the classic games we mentioned are, you notice, Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, PC, or PlayStation 2. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, there are plenty of classics on the PS2. There's a lot. There's plenty of classics, I think, on the on they the what again? On the original PlayStation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there's a lot of classics on the original PlayStation. There's classics on the Xbox. But um, if you think about... When you think of a classic game, your brain usually goes to Nintendo. And that that's the reason. And that's why I think it's popular to hate on Mario. It's like... <laughs> he, Nint- you People have been calling Nintendo childish and stupid for almost 15, 20 years. And they still make the classics. It's a little... I can understand that being aggravating. Um, and, yeah. Like... Oh, I forgot. Animal Crossing goes up in a modern classic. Um, easy. But, um, yeah, that's funny that Arnold said that. Like, <laughs> I didn't think it was going to become a Nintendo praise at the end. But it's true. It's true. The Zelda franchise. Classics. Um, Metroid. Just classics. We didn't even mention Pokemon. Yeah. Like, they make classic games. Um, they could be almost all. They could be almost the whole episode. Oh, Pokemon? And Pokemon alikes. Oh, it will be an entire episode. We will talk about Pokemon. It'll be a disservice to the game community to not talk about the diabolical genius that is the design of the Pokemon game. Yes, the design of Pokemon as a franchise is disgusting. Like, it is um, scary. Like, it's scary how well designed that game series is to the degree that it's just a gold mine. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, that was our classic episode. We went into some different territories. Um... I like to applaud myself. I didn't shit on Final Fantasy VII as much as I thought I would this episode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've been a good boy. Um, but uh, coming back to what I said at the beginning of the episode, our next episode on the podcast is going to be our tier three of villains. Top villains. Big dogs. Um, expect some tears. Expect people to some die. tears among the tears. <laughs> I expect some people to die and it will be just anime villains so keep that in mind um, we're not going to do anything like so what I was going to send you a suggestion James what about this he's on there oh which one I'm just saying in general so I'm just going to send you a suggestion to like, oh no that one's in there oh they're going to be like oh what about this character or what about this guy um, yeah I I am looking for them though, just in case I miss any. But don't yeah. worry, we'll do a part two as well. Um, so in other words, if you have one, you really. Oh, what was that, Dustin? You got cut off. I said, in, in other words, if you have one, be in here at some point. Let us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely let us know. Um, again, top tiers are big dogs. 
they affect something in a grand way, either through their physical ability, their mental ability, or something like that. Um, yeah. Financial abilities. Financial abilities sometimes, yeah. It's going to be some pretty intense stuff. So, with that closing, we are, excuse me, the Key Items Podcast. You can check us out on Spotify and iTunes. You can check us out on our website at keyitems.squarespace.com. And check us out at our email at unlock at keyitemspodcast.com. Um, we also can be found at Twitter and on Instagram. Really got to get that working. Uh, but thank you for our loyal listeners. We do have a, a few that I've noticed. Like there's just a number that's always there. That's nice. That I would like to expand that number. But, we appreciate <laughs> what we do have. But we do definitely appreciate who, who comes to listen to us. Um, but yeah, and as always, I'm your host, James, and I am joined by... Justin. And Arnold. Thank you all, and have a wonderful day! Thank you for playing 